What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders, from ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities. CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. A PW Torch VIP membership doesn't just give you ad-free access to these shows and a ton of other VIP exclusive podcasts throughout the week, but you also gain access to our unmatched, vast library of wrestling history. Our contemporaneous week-to-week coverage through our Pro Wrestling Torch Weekly newsletters dating back to the late 1980s, along with streaming and download access to hundreds of retro radio shows from the 1990s, including some of my interviews with wrestling's top newsmakers in the 90s. And also our podcast library dating back to the year 2003. There's no larger, longer-spanning pro wrestling podcast library than that that comes with a PW Torch VIP membership now approaching 20 years of podcasting. Go VIP and dive into our post-pay-per-view roundtables, our coverage of some of your favorite eras of wrestling, top-name long-form interviews, and special format podcasts that we've done throughout the years pwtorch.com slash go vip we have a streamlined sign up form and you can pay with paypal or directly with your credit card or debit card in one or two minutes from right now you can be a vip member and diving into our library pwtorch.com slash go vip what if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation where it's not about mission statements but a shared mission at U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders. From ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities, CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Now, PW Torch and Spreaker bring you the Wade Keller Pro Wrestling Podcast. It's time for the weekly flagship, talking current events in pro wrestling. 
Five years ago this week, Promise and Torch columnist Sean Radican joined me for the weekly flagship, and we delved into the Global Force Wrestling Impact situation regarding Jeff Jarrett and their viability going forward, plus what they've meant to pro wrestling and why they've come up short of ever being the cool brand. This is kind of taking the TNA history into account, too. Also, in-depth analysis of the May Young tournament so far, and then a fascinating look at WWE's relationships with various indie promotions, and a review of all the various pro wrestling streaming services that were out there at that time. And then in bonus content, after this flagship, the same day we dropped Mike McMahon and Andrew Socek's show, where they talked more about Impact Wrestling. and talked about the breaking news that Jeff Jarrett was placed on an indefinite leave from Global Force Wrestling and Impact Wrestling. They also talked about the Sports Illustrated story where it was being reported that Anthem Sports was looking to sell GFW, which is now Impact and was TNA. And then toward the end of the show, they also reviewed that week's episode. So that's bonus content following my conversation with Sean Radican. This dropped originally on September 7th, 2017, and it is today's Wade Keller Pro Wrestling Podcast, five years ago flagship flashback for Friday, September 9th, 2022. Podcast One brings you the Wade Keller Pro Wrestling Podcast. It's time for the weekly flagship talking current events in pro wrestling. Well, we talk a lot here on the Wade Keller Pro Wrestling Podcast about Raw and SmackDown on Tuesdays and Wednesdays, and deservedly so. But on the Thursday flagship every week, we try to broaden our topics, and there is no better person to do that with on the PW Torch team than today's guest co-host on the Thursday flagship, and that is Sean Radican. Long time. I don't even know what to call you anymore, Sean. Are you a columnist? Are you a reporter? Are you a reviewer? You are the jack-of-all-trades covering so many of the non-WWE topics, which has become uh, more of a task, I'd say, in the last year or two than it used to be with so many streaming services, uh, the, the rise of New Japan again in terms of U.S. interest, all these, uh, all these independent groups, plus ROH still hanging in there, too. And now the May Young Classic, women's wrestling. Uh, I, Sean, how do you keep up with everything? It's, it's tough. I just try to watch what I can. I cut back on – I really liked watching tons and tons of indies, so I, I've cut back on that and tried to just focus on big indies and – um, focus on what I can when I when I can fit something in. Like so, PWG is a priority. I try to make ROH a priority. With the rise of New Japan, it's been very hard because they run a lot of shows. Uh, you know, picked up with G1, so I just I try to fit in the most important things, and it's becoming tougher and tougher because so many companies are streaming, and the world is so much closer. You know, it's brought the world to you uh, with these co- independent companies streaming their shows, getting them up within hours or, or days after they – if they don't air live, they have a streaming service, and we'll talk about that later. But it just it's just – I try to find the best stuff and watch it. Um, that's what I do. Yeah, absolutely. If I didn't mention it, it is uh, thir- – this is the Thursday, September 7th, 2017 edition of the Wade Keller Pro Wrestling Podcast. If you're looking for an in-depth review of SmackDown – Jake Barnett from ProWrestling.net joined me on yesterday's program. We spent an hour and a half not only discussing the happenings on that show, including Shinsuke Nakamura's big win over Randy Orton, and I'm going to talk with Sean about Shinsuke and his uh, WWE run, but also uh, we had a couple of correspondents at 
uh, in Sioux Falls, South Dakota at the arena, who joined us and talked for about 10 minutes each about their arena experience and gave us some insight into what happened there off camera. And then we also answered email questions about SmackDown. Same thing on our Tuesday show. We covered Monday Night Raw. And uh, Pat McNeil, a longtime Pro Wrestling Torch columnist, joined me, and we went uh, well over an hour discussing Monday's Raw. Same thing, on-site correspondence and emails. So check those shows out if you haven't yet. And then also last Friday's interview is getting a lot of a lot of buzz for good reason. Alex Greenfield, ex-WWE creative team member, joined me, and we talked about the Roman Reigns-John Cena dynamic. And he also told some stories from behind the scenes during his days writing Raw SmackDown in uh, WWE, including some interesting stories on Shane McMahon and Stephanie McMahon and how they act behind the scenes. You might be a little surprised. Um, Shane McMahon, part of a big angle on yesterday's SmackDown. So we'll, we'll cover some WWE topics as the show progresses, too. But, Sean, I want to start uh, with just kind of the breaking news this week about Global Force Wrestling and where they fit into the landscape right now in the larger scheme of things. Because... I, you know, Global Force, formerly TNA, also known as Impact Wrestling. They've got a lot of names. Uh, Sports Illustrated ran a story this week that added to other reports uh, that Jeff Jarrett is out indefinitely from Global Force Wrestling. He was the founder of TNA with his father, Jerry Jarrett, uh, 15 years ago. And then he recently came back into power. They merged uh, his organization, such as it was, with uh, TNA, they switched the name to Global Force, and now it seems like he's on the outs. Sean, uh, before we get into the Jeff Jarrett situation personally, what, where does, in your view, Global Force Wrestling stand in relation to WWE, ROH, New Japan, and the Indies? Because to me, I, I believe my feedback and the, the, the feeling I get is there's just not the intensity of passion for that brand, and almost never has been, that we find for the other smaller uh, groups out there. And and I want you to tell me where you think they fall in that regard and why they fall sometimes short of generating that buzz. I think they, you know, they're behind WWE, uh, <clears throat> New Japan, Ring of Honor right now. They just have forced themselves out to the, you know, the periphery with all the changes in ownership and the restarts and they've lost the trust that they had. I mean, they had these ardent fans that were so passionate about the brand, no matter how many mistakes it made. And I think with their, you know, with them losing spike TV and bouncing around on different networks and, uh, you know, the pop TV deal isn't very visible for them in terms of track, you know, gain, you know, gaining traction. And I think they're just, you know, they're, they're just, you know, barely hanging on but behind those three companies. What, what is it about Ring of Honor and New Japan and PWG that, to me, I, I don't know how else to put it, but they have a cool factor to them that Impact Wrestling just has struggled to ever attain? Um, I, I just I feel like, and I can't put my finger on why, but there's just something about the way that they promote the product and present it I mean, I have my theories, and I can give a checklist of things I think that contribute, but I know from going to ROH Live events, that crowd at those events are so passionate and immersed in the product, in the characters, in the Briscoes, in Adam Cole, whatever era you talk about. And how does what does Ring of Honor do? And, and I'm asking this in part because I think it's something that WWE should strive for also. 
um, is having that sense of intense loyalty to the brand and that cool factor that you're proud to wear a T-shirt representing a top wrestler or the brand itself. What does what has ROH done better over the years, and what does PWG tap into, a New Japan tap into, that Global Force Impact Wrestling just has failed to do? Well, you know, for Ring of Honor, a lot of the reason they've stayed relevant is because of New Japan and Bullet Club and their wrestlers going to New Japan and the Young Bucks being a big factor, signing a, a you know, a fairly, you know, for a couple, re-signing with the company for a couple of years. So they have the Young Bucks and the Young Bucks are the most overact on the internet and Ring of Honor has their fair share of problems, you know, but their fans are so loyal and passionate because they're still they still have a core set of wrestlers and they still have that bullet club association, that new Japan association. And they've given their fan base a reason to stick around because they have cool acts still, even though ring of honor has their own set of problems and they should be a lot bigger than they are by this uh, point. I feel, and you know this uh, PWG too. They just you, they give the fans what they want. They don't betray them very often, and I think that's what makes them cool. You know, TNA pulling the plug on their audience uh, so many different ways with resets and uh, you know the, the Russo era, the work shoot era, Jarrett coming back. It just gives people a really bad taste in their mouth because when you want to be loyal to a product, you expect the product to deliver for you something cool. And TNA, uh, you know, Global Force Wrestling has lost their cool factor. They don't have any acts that generate buzz for them. Uh, they've lost a lot of talent. You know, One thing that's really hurt them is a lot of their acts going to – NXT and to the WWE main roster and or going to New Japan and making WWE like AJ Styles and it just it's really hurt them because they've you know you see what can be done with the same exact talent um, you know just booked and presented better and it's worked out for WWE and TNA just these hokey storylines these you know just uh, they've they've really betrayed their audience over the years I think. You can support us on Patreon and get these shows with ads and plugs removed. The Wade Keller Processing Podcast, Wade Keller Processing Post Shows, and the PW Torch Daily Cast throughout the week with ads and plugs removed, plus a few bonus VIP shows throughout the month for just $4.99 a month. Check it out, patreon.com slash PWTorchVIP. That's patreon.com slash PWTorchVIP. And you can also upgrade to other tiers and receive even more benefits through Patreon. What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders. From ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities, CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.
With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Thanks for downloading today's show. Take it to the next level with a VIP membership. Get shows like this, the Wade Keller Processing Podcast, Wade Keller Processing Post Show, and the PW Torch Daily Casts on our PW Torch VIP podcast feed with ads and plugs removed from the shows for a streamlined listening experience. And also hear the VIP exclusive shows that I host with Rich Fan and Todd Martin. Everything with Rich Fan and The Fix with Todd Martin's signature VIP series that you're missing out without a VIP membership. So go VIP here in 2022 and enjoy all the benefits, all the bonus content, and the ad-free listening experience. PWTorch.com slash go VIP. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. Laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Yeah, I mean, obviously the financial struggles of Global Force Wrestling, TNA Impact Wrestling, have been ongoing off and on. They renewed with Pop TV, but... It sounds like that wasn't their first choice in the sense that there's not any kind of guaranteed money uh, of any substance for for that. So they have to produce the program for Pop TV, but then there's, it's not like a WWE TV deal where they can just survive off of that that revenue that they make from that. And yes, in their opening, and I like the opening that they have, they show all the different network affiliations they have around the globe, and it makes them gives off the vibe that they're big time and seen internationally, but... They're not a publicly traded company. We don't know what the numbers are, uh, the revenue figures are for all of those deals. And it just sounds like they are on an incredibly tight, tight, tight budget more than ever, running a bunch of TV tapings all at once on a shoestring budget. Uh, low, that The talent that they have are not high-paying talent. They don't have the big contracts anymore, you know, the Kurt Angles, the Jeff Hardys, and, and that – that has to be helping them. And, you know, Eli Drake being a world champion, he's not, you know, someone who's going to demand a ton of money, but that also can limit their growth. So it just seems like they're in a tough position. I'm not sure 
what their parent company was thinking when they bought Impact Wrestling. We were saying here at the Torch at that time, you know, what are they buying? You know, they're, they're buying a damaged brand name and what, a, a relationship with a theme park to do TV shows and a bad TV deal? I, I wasn't quite sure what they were even buying, and now I'm not quite sure what Anthem, how they could be surprised that this isn't uh, a cash call. I mean, they had to have access to the book. So you throw that in along with what's going on with Jeff Jarrett, some uh, personal issues that it sounds like uh, he either wants to take care of or Anthem wants him to take care of, have uh, have derailed any sense of momentum for this brand right now. Yeah, and, um, you know, behind the scenes, I'm sure that the stories I've been hearing about Jared and his belligerent behavior and Rebby Hardy um, went public with getting drunk and taxed. Rebby, yeah. Yeah. Rebby Hardy went public with uh, getting drunk text messages from Jarrett and you know you hear all those stories and it adds up and you know just they it just had to have been a case where enough is enough um, yeah. with 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 the way uh, Jared and Karen have been handling themselves behind the scenes uh, you know especially at, at Triple Mania a few weeks ago or a couple of weeks ago just it, it all adds up after a while and. Uh, something has to be done because you can't have that around your company in addition to uh, just uh, hemorrhaging all that money and, and uh, you know, just the, the Jarrett distraction, you know, he just probably had to go. Absolutely. Uh, they did their uh, media conference call yesterday. Johnny Impact was on the uh, Wednesday conference call, and Ross Foreman at the top of the show just read a statement saying that there would be no questions accepted on Jeff Jarrett and that their statement on their website is, quote, their one and only statement. And then it was on to Johnny Nitro Talk. So, um, you know, GFW not wanting to, to ditch dirt or talk a lot about this, but I think it was good that they got ahead on the story and released that statement through their website. So let's uh, we'll keep an eye on that story. You can follow it on PWTorch.com. Uh, you can check out the Sports Illustrated story by Justin Barrasso. Also, Jason Powell over at ProWrestling.net has had some good stories and some good analysis on it. I know he's really plugged in over there. So uh, check that out if you want to get the latest on the situation. Uh, Sean, let's uh, turn the page and talk about the May Young Classic Tournament because this is uh, one of, I think, the really cool aspects of WWE Network. WWE has financial incentive because of the value-added aspect of the European tournament, the Cruiserweight tournament, uh, NXT TakeOver specials, NXT themselves, and now the Mae Young Classic, to produce original content that normally just would not have seen the light of day unless it was, like, back in the day, some sort of special DVD release. And so we get this collection of 32 women from around the world that they bring in and feature with really nice production values. Jim Ross and Lita on commentary. Uh, Charlie Caruso standing in front of the big big video wall with the tournament brackets. Well-produced video segments. Really good use of camera angles at full sail. And great lighting. I mean, just it's, it's the dream scenario for presenting a sort of alternate product out there. I, I've really been happy with the production values. I mean... Would it be better? I don't even know if it would be better in a big arena full of rabid fans. I mean, I guess I would be, but I really like what WWE's done with the presentation. And then they went out and scouted and brought in a lot of uh, the women. Uh, Sean, in a broad macro sense, talk about what you think of the job that they've done in terms of the women they brought in and the way they formatted it and presented it, dropping four episodes at a time for binge viewing the last two weeks. 
Um, your impression of the tournament so far? Well, I, I really like the production, too, in many aspects. I would have liked the crowd, like to have had the crowd lit up a little more. Uh, I get the, 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 the philosophy behind that, focus on the action, the ring. I just think when they have uh, such a, a big, rabid audience, it would be nice to see the fans reacting in full sail to the to their matches. But I, uh, you know, I, I really enjoyed the production values. I think they did uh, a good job of bringing in, you know, the best women that they could uh, in terms of, you know, the women you'd want to see. Sure, there are some names that got left out that you would want to see in the tournament. But overall, they did a really good job. Um, who are the women who got left out and why? Um. I don't know why. Well, Deanna Perrazzo was an alternate, and I don't know why she wasn't in the tournament. But she's like a she's someone who's you know she's been TNA, she's been ROH, she's been in NXT uh, TV tapings, and she's really good. I got to see her live um, when she wrestled on the Progress show in Boston a few weeks ago, and I was surprised she wasn't in. Um, I'm trying to think of some other names that didn't make it that really deserved it. I mean, they really did a good job. Um, I know, uh, I, I would think Io Shirai from, uh, stardom promotion in Japan would have been in it had they not decided to part ways with her because of her neck. Um, she would have been awfully good. The same place that Kyrie Sane is from, um, who's getting a huge push in the tournament. But, uh, I'm trying to think of, uh, off the top of my head, and I can't. Uh, uh, cheerleader Melissa's awfully good. She wasn't in it. I don't know why, but I mean, overall, I really can't complain. They brought in 32 women. Um, I thought they did a really nice job of, you know, finding the best in the world. Uh, the like the big question mark was why isn't Diana on the, you know, wrestling on the show? Um, I think she deserved to be on it. But um, I thought they did a nice job. In fact, I thought they brought in too many women with the way the first round was. Uh, really watered down in terms of women with less experience, wrestling women with more experience, or women that have adapted really fast in the ring. But they did a nice job um, with the field, you know, to the point where you get to the second round and the sports-like presentation of it, you know, in many cases, I didn't want to see either woman go. Um, right. You know? <laughs> I got, uh, so, yeah, they just... Uh, it, 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 it's interesting, like, listening to Jim Ross on commentary because I, I think Jim is is best when he's immersed in a weekly product. There's storylines. There's angles. It's just it's what he grew up with. That's what he, he did with Mid-South and WCW um, and obviously Monday Night Raw over the years. And and with the Mayon Classic, it's a challenge because he's learning about these women only slightly ahead of the viewers of the show because it's 32 women. And, I you know, Jim is – not somebody who's watched every every one of these women's matches. He's watched almost every one of Steve Austin's televised matches when he's calling a Steve Austin match. But it's a different challenge for the announcing, for, for both Ross and Lita, in that it has to be, you, you said, the sports-like presentation. That's what they did here. And, and they're very good at that. They did it really well with the Cruiserweight Classic and the UK Tournament. And now um, they have with the women, they have to call it like a sport, and, and they end up, the challenge is they have to pull more about the personalities and the backstory uh, for the women. Uh, they talk about their, the injuries they've faced, the, the, the challenges that they've overcome, uh, different quirks about their personality, their real athletic background. It's such a different vibe from WWE. Uh, Sean, as far as that goes, what do you think they've done well 
but also from an announcing and presentation standpoint, is there anything that you would have done differently through these first few rounds? Um, I think they, the announcers kind of struggled because they have so much thrown at them and there's only some of the matches were just really short and you got a short video package and the women would come out and that was that. And it's really hard to stand out in that span of time. And especially if you're, you don't follow the women's scene, it's really hard to, for Ross and Lita to, you know, conjure up something about these women. And I thought the women kind of had to fend for themselves, so to speak, to stand out. Um, like Jazzy Gabert in the first round, I thought she really stood out against Abby Lath, even though she lost. I thought her size and presence in the ring really stood out. Um, and, and she kind of went beyond that, like, uh, you know, a woman from Germany type of vibe that you got when they were introducing her. Um, so I think it was just tough on them, and I thought they, you know, they they kind of struggled at times, and it was just hard for them to engage because they didn't know the talent, and it was it was just a case where you know you got some odd comments or they didn't catch, um, a, like for example, in one of the matches, uh, Abby Lath, they had, you know, they'd really done a good job of uh, talking about her, is it the Gator Clutch finish? I think it was called, um, and they. They highlighted that, and then she went for it in her. Um, I'm trying to find my note here. Um, in her semifinal or her second round match, I believe. Um, I go oh yes in the in the um, episode seven in the second round. She went for it against Martinez, and neither of them mentioned it. And you know stuff like that stood out. But um, I thought overall the first set was rough because there were so many women, and many of them just had very little story um to offer um but once the second round hit and the action uh turned up and they had more video packages ready uh for each match in the second round the quarterfinals and the semis i thought things picked up from there because then they had more of a story to tell with each woman as they each woman as they advanced or fell now you can subscribe to our vip podcast lineup within the apple podcast app using your apple account that's new as of March 2022. Just search PW Torch in your Apple Podcast app and you'll see the PW Torch Daily Cast logo show up. That's our free show that's been around forever. And also the PW Torch VIP Podcast logo. There is a free show every week. So subscribe even if you don't plan to go VIP and get a sample of our VIP tier programming. But if you click subscribe, then you'll become a VIP member instantly with a three-day free trial after which your Apple account will be charged. So you don't need to take out your credit card, debit card, or go anywhere else. If you listen to our free shows on Apple Podcasts, you are five seconds away from being a VIP member with a three-day free trial. So we invite you to check it out. That includes dozens of VIP shows throughout the week, including VIP versions of the Wade Keller Pro Wrestling post shows and podcasts and daily casts. All those episodes are presented to VIP members with ads and plugs removed along with VIP exclusives like our post-pay-per-view roundtables, the Wade Keller Hotline, The Fix with Todd and Wade, everything with Rich and Wade, and many other VIP exclusive shows. Just search PW Torch within the Apple Podcasts app. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing, and now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere 
and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Thank you for subscribing to the Wade Keller Pro Wrestling Podcast and Wade Keller Pro Wrestling Post Shows. Don't forget, we got a whole lineup of other shows called the PW Torch Daily Casts. It's free. Just search PW Torch in your podcast app. A different show on a different topic throughout the week, including shows dedicated to AEW, NXT, MMA, Ring of Honor, and more. Just search PW Torch in your podcast app or check out links to the latest shows at our main website, pwtorch.com. From the uh, the standpoint of, of the binge watching, uh, there's been some talk about pros and cons of not just releasing one show per week or doing like weekly two-hour shows, but dropping four last Monday, four this Monday. Uh, what do you think about that approach for this type? I, I endorse it. I like it. I think that's how people watch programming. I know when Netflix first started doing it, I mean, it was it was shocking because, you know, Netflix seemed yes. like they were getting in the HBO business, original programming. But then when they uh, House of Cards was like, oh, here's all for season. It was like, whoa, it's like buying a DVD set. It was it was unusual. With WWE, I think it's unusual. But I think especially when the results are already out there, if people want them or stumble upon them, I don't really think there's a real advantage to stretching it out over the course of eight weeks. Well, I think, you know, what I had heard is that the, the interest went down the Cruiserweight Classic as it went on. And you, like you said, a lot of people are into the Netflix, into the Instant Access. I can watch all of this, you know, the House of Cards, the Marvel series on Netflix when it drops. Everyone loves to watch, you know, the Daredevil and the um, and things like that on you know, and the other, other Marvel shows on Netflix and or whatever it may be. And I think it's a good application and... It, it it the only thing is it it really doesn't work so well if the action isn't interesting like it was in the first round. It was a struggle to get through those first episodes, and I was really looking forward to them only because I had you know I keep my eye on the women's scene and not as much as I would have liked to, but I've kept my eye. Some of these women have been around so long that I was watching them when they were first you know first broke into Shimmer or or first broke into. Uh, you know the Ring of Honor type of scene and CZW and things like that. So it was it was exciting to see them uh, on this platform. But the the first round was a struggle to get through because the matches were very formulaic. You had a lot of inexperienced wrestlers. Uh, the crowd wasn't really super into it. The announcers didn't seem super engaged. But when I got to the second round, episodes five through eight, I, I, I couldn't wait for the next episode. I couldn't wait for the next match. And I think that's where. If this is going to work for wrestling, it's going to shine when things like if you have a tournament that's really clicking like this, it'll really shine for them if they keep doing these thematic um, tournaments in the future. I think that would really uh, be something that benefits them if, if it's something where it's just something they know is going to click. Uh, I mean, obviously, you can have some lulls, but they had a lot of lulls in that first round. Um, I can only think of. Uh, two or three matches that really grabbed my interest. But the second round, it really clicked. Well, I, I want to I go to my first break, Sean, and I want to get into some of the specific matches that people should look for. Some people might not have, you know, I don't know, close to eight hours to invest in the first eight episodes, and they might be a little bit delayed in getting invested in them. I want to pick out a few matches for people with limited time or interest, even for that matter, uh, to direct them towards which episode and which matches to see. I also want to talk about which of the women so far you think – are going to land on on with contracts in NXT 
uh, and be featured on the TV show and have a chance to make it to the main roster and have an impact. So we'll do that after our first break. Uh, uh, Sean, I, I, I assume that as a, a grown man, you have had experience buying new or used cars, haven't you? Yes. Yes. And uh, is it is it pleasant going to the dealership when you know that they do what they do every single day and their knowledge of cars is like your knowledge of wrestling and that you approach the situation feeling a little intimidated? Definitely. Yeah. So there's something about one of our sponsors, True Car, that fixes a lot of that. In fact, all of it. Um, and True Car can not only help you buy a new car, but they can also help you buy a used car. In fact, there are over 700,000 pre-owned vehicles available from True Car certified dealers nationwide. Whether you're looking to buy a new or used car, you can get upfront pricing information that empowers, plus discounts off the list price for used cars and a better buying experience through the True Car certified dealer network. So with over 700,000 pre-owned vehicles available from True Car dealers nationwide, the car you're looking for is probably on that list. You'll see what other people paid for the car that you want so you can know what a fair price is and feel confident when you go to the dealership. With TrueCar, you can connect with a local certified dealer of your choosing so you can enjoy a quick, easy buying experience. Using TrueCar, you can easily find the new or used car that you want. TrueCar will show you what other people in your area paid for the same car you're looking for. Now you know what a fair price is so you can feel confident. Sound good, Sean? Sounds good. <laughs> yeah, are you going to use TrueCar next time? Definitely. All right. Good. Definitely. Yeah. No, seriously. It's, it's, I use it for my last car purchase, and it's amazing how much more confident you feel going to the dealership because it's fun buying a new car. Um, and it, it should be fun, but you don't want to feel like you have less information than, uh, than you ought to going into that experience. So once you register, you'll see a real price on actual inventory. This is competitive pricing offered to you only by a true car certified dealer for an actual vehicle on their lot. It's pricing you'll see before going to a dealership, so you can feel confident when you show up. TrueCar shows their customers all of their available incentives before they arrive at the dealership. Over 3 million cars have been sold to TrueCar users by the TrueCar Certified Dealer Network. There are over 13,000 TrueCar Certified Dealers nationwide. So when you're ready to buy a newer used car, visit TrueCar to enjoy a more confident car buying experience. Some features not available in all states. All right, Sean, we're going to come back after this break and uh, get more deep into the specifics, the micro level of the May Young Classic. Specific matches, specific talent, who has shined, who surprised you, who's let you down. We'll talk about that after this. Wrestling fans, are you that person that works in a pro wrestling reference to every aspect of your life? Well, we're those kind of people too, but we do so with mixed martial arts. I'm Robert Vallejos, host of MMA Talk for Pro Wrestling Fans, every Monday on PW Torch's Daily Cast lineup. Not only do we cover every UFC and Bellator event, we provide context that only a wrestling fan would really understand. I mean, we're the type of people that if you ask us about how much of a mess the middleweight title situation is, we're likely to reference WCW in the early 90s. Think of us as a podcast for casual MMA fans done by hardcore wrestling nerds. And you can find us by searching PW Torch in Apple Podcasts or any popular podcast app. And we're always available on demand at PWTorchDailyCast.com where you can check out the entire lineup of the PW Torch Daily Casts.
All right, so we are back on segment two of the Thursday flagship edition of the Wade Keller Pro Wrestling Podcast here on Podcast One. Tomorrow we have a cool show lined up. I'm going to air a uh, panel discussion from July of, uh, the, entitled The Legacy of the Henning Family. And this was a really cool segment. I've been trying to uh, put it on uh, Interview Friday here for a while. We've just had so many other topical and good interviews lined up. But uh, we're, we're approaching, and it's, it's crazy to think of this, Sean, but fifth, we're approaching 15 years since the death of Kurt Henning. And wow. I know. And so I'm I, – I, and I grew up watching Kurt Henning. Um, he was a uh, – my favorite wrestler for a while in, in the mid-'80s. In fact, uh, if you go look, read the for earliest issues of the Pro Wrestling Torch newsletter that I started you know, back in, the, uh, back in 1987 prior to the Internet, prior to podcasts – um, he, he was a rising star, and he was also based in my home territory of the AWA, and I just thought he was going to be huge. Yeah, I did too. I, I was going to say, my, one of my first memories of wrestling when I was young is him throwing the football to him when he was in WWE. Um, I just thought he was like one of the coolest guys. Yes, and, and he was. And so this uh, panel discussion took place at the George Tragos Luthes Pro Wrestling Hall of Fame weekend. That was the same weekend that I was able to do. Uh, Bruce Mitchell and I were able to do the live podcast interview with uh, Stan Hansen and J.J. Dillon in front of a live studio audience. And it was the same thing uh, also this weekend with, uh, with the same weekend uh, with the Henning Family Legacy panel discussion. Jim Ross was part of it, Stan Hansen, uh, Larry the Axe Henning, who had some choice words for WWE as far as the push of his son, uh, his grandson, I should say, Curtis Axel. Uh, Baron Von Raschke was part of the panel discussion and more. It, it, was, it was really cool a look at uh, all three generations of the Henning family. And so uh, that's going to be cool. And then Mick Karch, who was uh, uh, the president of the Nick Bockwinkle fan club in the late 70s, went on to become an AWA announcer when they were on ESPN at the showboat in Las Vegas. And he is a, uh, a friend of the torch and has... Uh, I've done a lot of shows with him over the years. He, he uh, is going to join me for an introduction to that segment. We're going to talk about Larry, Kurt, and uh, now Curtis Axel as a fresh introduction to this never-before-heard panel discussion with an all-star panel of people who have uh, been around the, the Hennings. And, and uh, it's, it's a really cool show. I'm really excited to share it with the audience. So uh, everybody be sure to uh, tune in tomorrow for a special panel discussion, uh, a legacy tribute to all three generations of the Henning family with a, a fresh introduction I'll be recording uh, right beforehand with, uh, with Mick Karsh. All right, uh, the Mae Young Classic. Uh, Sean, if, if there's so far in the first eight episodes, the first few rounds, uh, only two, three, four matches that somebody can fit into their schedule, but they want to know, what do I need to see in order to feel like I've seen some future stars on the Mae Young Classic, and just some good women's wrestling, uh, what jumps out to you? Re- make some recommendations. Um, episode um, six, Mia Yim versus Shayna ba- Baszler. Um, Baszler is probably going to be someone WWE is strongly interested in looking at signing if they haven't already. Um, same goes for Mia Yim. They had about a you know, five-and-a-half-minute match uh, and it was tremendous, uh, just hard-hitting. I've watched Jim for a long time, maybe since 2009, 2010, I think I first saw her. She was uh, Air- Austin Aries' valet in Ring of Honor. And since then, she's really 
you know, come a long way, um, and she really had a nice tournament, and this was a really good match, even though she lost. Um, the uh, finish was tremendous. I don't want to spoil too much, but uh, a 450 into the rear naked choke from Baszler, and um, that was really good. Um, another match uh, that really stood out was Tony Storm versus Piper Niven. Um, they've both worked in stardom uh, before, so they have some familiarity with each other. But Piper Niven is a, a, a big woman, um, wrestles in a singlet, but she moves very well. And they just had this incredible wrestling sequence on the mat where they – it was almost like the old Brian Danielson sequence you would see him do where he grabbed hands and clutched and they do the monkey flip and then they did a double head – you know, they did the double bridge with their neck looking at each other, and then they backed up and came to a, uh, a stalemate. And this was really good um, as well. Uh, that's another one to look out for. Well, um, one thing I want to say about Niven is as she kind of – I like the way she carries herself. Um, she carries herself like she knows something you don't know. Um, there's just like a confidence and a, a stride to the way that she approaches things. And that sometimes that's worth so much. And I, I – her, she, you know, she does the some Kevin Owens type stuff too. You know, an oversized uh, body the type, yeah. the cannonball, for, especially yeah. so. And yeah, I think she stands out in terms of being memorable. And I know Travis Bryant wrote about it in his latest Pro Wrestling Torch newsletter column that uh, the different body types in this tournament was refreshing. That it's not, you know, there, there was a pretty, you know, there was like the the token Nia Jax uh, in I don't want to say token, but the, you know, the, the exception to the rule, but. Over the years, it's been a pretty strong leaning towards women who were candidates to go in Playboy or do, uh, you know, traditional uh, bikini shoots and that kind of thing. And this tournament is, has, become, almost out of necessity with 32 women, forced WWE to expand that. And I think Nevin shows why it's valuable to do that, why it's a good thing to have uh, even more diversity in terms of body types. Yeah, um, it's like I said, it kind of reminds me of the sports like presentation um, that I like so much about the tournament. All the women look different. They had um, a couple of women from Australia, uh, Rhea Ripley and Dakota Kai. And uh, Ripley is, uh, you know, bigger and more muscular. And Dakota Kai is, you know, a smaller but hard hitting. And it's kind of nice that all these women stood out for different reasons with their looks. So go ahead. I kind of jumped in with my comments uh, um, on Niven, but we're, you were still talking about the standout I, matches. Yeah. I did want to backtrack. I thought episode five was really one of the best episodes overall. In the main event, Bianca Belair against Kyrie Sane was fantastic. Um, Belair, for only being in wrestling for a year, uh, with her tracks, you know, she was a track star in college, and she's really put some weight, uh, you know, muscle on. She's a. Uh, you know, just I was so impressed with uh, how polished she was for only being in the ring for a year. She carries herself with confidence. Uh, I really enjoyed this match, um, and uh, Belair is someone to keep an eye on. I really think what people want to, you know, if you really, if you have 37 minutes, episode eight was really good with the two semifinal matches. Um, so that's something you really want to focus in on is watching Shayna Baszler against Mercedes Martinez. Um, and these two have um, legitimate backstory. One thing I, we haven't mentioned is that they used all the shimmer footage during the um, 
uh, May Young Classic, and a lot of it is these women all have worked together before. Uh, Martinez and Baszler are, are in a stable in Shimmer. Uh, Dave Prezak was backstage working the show. So um, those two matches were uh, – Kyrie saying Tony Storm might have been the best of the tournament. Um, just a – I thought Storm showed a lot in this match. She's only 21 years old, has a ton of potential, uh, you know, has a look, look charisma. Uh, Kyrie Sane, too, uh, with her pirate gimmick, and as ridiculous as it sounds, it kind of works. They they uh, put some majestic music on her. She comes out. Uh, her, her finisher is you know, a gorgeous elbow drop where she kind of folds herself up in the air and drops the elbow. Um, yeah, those uh, those... Those would be some matches I recommend watching. Who got shortchanged in this tournament, in your view? Who who didn't get uh, enough time to show what they can do or enough <laughs> matches? Oh, Kaylee Ray. Um, first round loses to Princessa Suhey, who goes on to have a mediocre match with one of the better women's wrestlers in the world on episode five, Mercedes Martinez. Yeah, I, I know they're bullish bullish on Pr- Princessa Suhey, but. Man, Kaylee Ray is so good. She's done the you know she's done the Stardom tours. She's you know in Shimmer, uh, you know been brought over from uh, I can't remember where she's from to Scotland or Australia, <laughs> but uh, yeah, she's just very talented and someone that I've seen in Shimmer who's really good. And Princessa Suhey did nothing for me. I think the only woman I thought that really. One way that you can help us sustain our schedule of putting out podcasts throughout the week is by giving us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. Just go to Apple Podcasts and look for our Wade Keller Processing Podcast and Wade Keller Processing Post Show and give us a five-star rating. We hope you think we've earned that score with our fast turnaround times and our quantity and quality of wrestling analysis throughout the week. So take a moment out for us and do us a favor and give us a five-star rating at Apple Podcasts. That helps us on search returns and helps us grow. And if you want, you can add a few comments about what you like about the programs in the comments section. Thank you so much. Really got short change was Kaylee Ray. Um, well, one thing I noticed with Kaylee Ray that, that I really liked um, is that she was able to mix like this stiff-looking, aggressive offense with really smooth transitions into submissions. And I think sometimes you see wrestlers who specialize in one or the other, and there was just a really good mix between the two. And I just thought she had a good presence in general. And I, I talk about uh, with Niven having that, that presence. And I thought Kate really Ray in her own way had, had that too. And I was actually, I've avoided spoilers as much as I could. And I, I was surprised by the finish because just watching the match, I, I thought the other dessert, you know, the wrong, the wrong woman won that one. Yeah. I, I was able to go in only knowing who made the semi for the, uh, the finals, but, uh, yeah, and I mean, watching the, the her match against Mercedes Martinez, it was like five minutes, and it just felt disjointed. It felt like a mediocre highlight package, five-minute highlight package of a 15-minute match because they're just trying to jam too much into it. They're And really, neither jumped off the page in terms of their personality. So, yeah, I, I, I agree with you as far as the booking goes. That that seemed to me the most, the, the most glaring kind of tilt your head, why did they do it that way? But you know what? It's a learning experience for them, too. I mean, they... They can talk to Dave Prezak. They can watch tapes. But sometimes you just don't know till they get out there with the lights on in front of a crowd uh, doing, you know, doing what they do to find out who's got what it takes in that circumstance. And so, I mean, part of this is a learning experience for them, too. 
Yeah, and Tessa Blanchard's very good, and I know she's got some maturity issues she needs to deal with, so I wasn't surprised to see her lose to Kyrie Sane in the first round. I thought she she's just she's really good. She's someone I wouldn't mind seeing more of, but overall, I just think I, I you know, like I said, that you know. Maybe those two are the ones that got shortchanged in the end a little bit. That's a Kyrie Sane, of course, is going to go throughout a lot of the tournament. So whoever got paired with her was going to lose in the first round. But um, not, nothing too surprising outside of Kaylee Ray. So uh, give me three to six names who you think a year from now are going to be in the mix, uh, either on NXT Takeover specials or even the main roster. Uh, Shayna Baszler, um, Piper Niven. Uh, Candice LeRae, I think, uh, Mia Yim, uh, Mercedes Martinez, Nicole Savoy. Um, those are the ones that they should sign and that will be in the mix. Um, I believe Kyrie Sane's already signed, uh, and I'm, I'm pretty sure she's going to get a big push as well in NXT. Um, but, yeah, the, yeah, those women, in addition, uh, Bianca Bla- Belair is another one that I see big things for. For someone with only a year of experience, she's – Awfully good at all the, the little things, the charisma, uh, carrying herself with the right attitude. So I think those people will be the ones that come out of the tournament and um, do the best, um, I think, going forward. I think Savoy is has an association in real life with Baszler, which you know, I, I don't know anything for sure, but I would think would favor her, you know, doing that. They train together and so forth, so I would think that would – only help her going forward because I think WWE is bullish on Shayna Baszler. So those are the ones I'd keep an eye on. And, oh, Tony Storm. How can I forget? (laughs) Tony Storm is fantastic as well. So I want to uh, ask, what does this lead to, uh, business-wise, the the Mae Young Classic? What what happens now? Is it just, hey, you know, they're going to sign, you know, three to six to eight names from the tournament, and they go into developmental, and it just, you know, replenishes – and deepens uh, their their prospects for the women's division, which is fine. But we still get the same thing on Raw, SmackDown, and NXT. You know, typically one match on NXT Takeover, and uh, uh, you know, one women's significant women's angle at a time uh, on the TV show. And then Raw and SmackDown have their divisions with you know four to six women having one or two matches, uh, usually one per show, if that. Or does this change things? And I've been sent a number of emails from people going, you know, what does this mean? Are we going to hear more? from women because of this. What is the business strategy and what does the May Young Tournament do for women's wrestling in the WWE uh, ecosystem? That's what I've been asking myself because when you watch TV, the main main TV, uh, you know, what you get is a segment or two a week and you get a lot of sports entertainment type things, type angles with these women and the in-ring is better but they don't focus on it in a sports-like way. So the thing I've been thinking is one thing the tournament does is it, ser- it has served to give some women that haven't gotten much TV exposure in NXT that are signed, they can send a Kyrie Sane, a Bianca Belair, um, uh, Leith, and uh, you know those women that stood out in the tournament that are under contract now have some background to them for the WWE audience, and they can. Uh, you know, they they have women a lot of options ready to go to replace Oscar. You know, who is kind of you know the real the gem of the division in NXT. Once, uh, well, actually, she's you know she's gone. And 
but I think this tournament seems to be designed to set up a horsewoman versus horsewomen angle. We've seen um, uh, Ronda Rousey in the crowd, and then they set up an angle outside um, full sail with uh, Rousey and you know, the, the horsewomen versus um, the horsewomen. Um, Charlotte challenged them, the MMA for horsewomen, to a match. Then they backed off after they said any time, any place. Oh, it was, ba- it was Baszler, um, Jessamine Duke, and Ronda Rousey. And um, I don't know if Shafir would be involved since she just had her baby with Roderick Strong. But she was also in the crowd at one point with them. So it's going to be interesting to see. Uh, it looks like um, looks like this is a vehicle to have a second strong woman, woman in the match to, um, you know, match up with Ronda Rousey and, you know, have another woman with a strong background to take on the uh, WWE's version of the four horsewomen, uh, you know, Bailey, um, Sasha Banks, and uh, Charlotte. And, uh, yeah, going, you know, getting to the four-on-four match. And I think that's – or could be a four-on-four or three-on-three. I know, uh, you know reports have come out that Jessamine Duke is training wrestling – in addition to MMA now, so yeah. won't be a surprise that oh Becky Lynch is the one I'm forgetting. <laughs> okay, Becky Lynch. Yeah. So uh, yeah, that four on four. Um, I think that's what they're building to. Yeah. Um, overall, and I don't, I don't see much of. Uh, I, I see a, a, I see this helping NXT more than the main roster at how, this point. How, how big will Ronda Rousey be for WWE and the women's division and women's wrestling in general? Oh, I think it'll, I think it'll get huge attention the first time around. I mean, it's just um, like her level of exposure will grab an you know grab a big audience for WWE. Just she's still a huge star, even though she's you know she's had her lumps in MMA lately. Um, but her name in WWE, she's you know that she's still a star, and it, it, it'll mean a ton mainstream. Um, you know, it, it could bring in a whole new female audience, you know, the way it's been presented so far. Um, could be very big in terms of uh, just, you know, women's wrestling for the first time, really having a marquee lineup and on a, or, you know, it, if they go with it, I would think it would be, you know, it would main event a big pay-per-view. Uh, you mentioned uh, Dave Prezak and, and, being at the uh, May Young tapings and helping out behind the scenes, you know, and, and WWE and through Triple H and William Regal and others, I mean, they really have networked with other promotions uh, really around the world. I mean, Gabe Sapolsky uh, and the progress from, from England. There's, there's really an, a more of an open-door relationship now that WWE has with non-WWE brands. And I want to uh, yeah. cover some of that along with an overview of the streaming options in segment three. And we're also going to answer some emails that came in specifically for the show. So uh, we're going to take our second break. And when we come back in segment three, I want to talk, Sean, with you about wh- what this means and, and what it means for indie wrestling. Is it good or bad that some of them are losing their, their true independence? Do they become beholden uh, to WWE? Or you know, is, is WWE, uh, is their strategy altruistic or cutthroat? And how... What vibe are you getting from all of your connections on the indie scene, how the promotions that are affiliated with WWE loosely or formally, how they feel compared to those who are not? So we'll get into that right now after uh, the second break. 
Fantasy football fans, the wait is nearly over. Football is back, which means FanDuel is back. Fantasy football for everyday fans. FanDuel presents new contests starting every week. No busted seasons. Something for everyone. Lots of contests to choose from starting at just $1. Just pick a contest, choose your team, and watch your score in real time. There's over 2.5 million players who have won a cash prize playing fantasy sports on FanDuel. Sign up today. Go to FanDuel.com and click the Join Now button and use my code WADE. Try FanDuel for free with my code WADE. That's W-A-D-E. No deposit required. Visit FanDuel.com to claim your free contest and play for a share of $10,000. Just sign up using my promo code WADE. That's FanDuel.com. Promo code Wade, void where prohibited. We're about to go to a commercial break. Why listen to commercial breaks when you can go VIP and experience our shows with the ads and plugs removed? PWTorch.com slash go VIP. That's PWTorch.com slash go VIP for full details. Or go to Patreon. Patreon.com slash PWTorch VIP. Rates start as low as $4.99 to remove the ads and plugs through Patreon. Full VIP membership starts at $9.99. Treat yourself to a streamlined, ad and plug free listening experience with a VIP or Patreon membership. Searching for more great pro wrestling talk? Then join me, Jason Powell, host of the free weekly Pro Wrestling Boom podcast. Each week, you'll hear the latest news and analysis from me and my team at ProWrestling.net along with other pro wrestling media members. Plus, the Pro Wrestling Boom podcast features long-form interviews with notable names in the pro wrestling industry. Subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, Downcast, and all your favorite secondary apps, or visit us directly at pwboom.com. Once again, that's pwboom.com. All right, we are back. This is the Wade Keller Pro Wrestling Podcast, the Thursday flagship edition, where we branch out, as we have for sure today, beyond the main topics happening on Raw and SmackDown in WWE. But I do want to begin Segment 3 before we get to our emails, which we traditionally do here in Segment 3. Uh, I want to talk about the, the relationships that WWE has built with indie promotions uh, in the United States and around the world. Sean, first give an overview of, of the state of of the, the relationships and how formal and informal they are and how it has helped WWE and those individual promotions so far. Well, the, the major ones are you know, obviously Dave Prezak, who runs Shimmer. Uh, you know, he was there to help out behind the scenes with Mae Young, you know, the Mae Young Classic. Uh, you know, he knows women's wrestling better than anyone. Uh, in addition to that, you have uh, WWN, which uh, is the parent company of Evolve, FIP, and all the other promotions they have. They have they have Shine as well, uh, women's promotion. Uh, uh, Gabe is heavily involved um, with uh, you know going to TV tapings and takeover tapings and being behind the scenes, and it all became public, uh, you know, during uh, the last set of tapings. And before that, it was. Uh, I knew of it, and, and but you know we saw the picture of Gabe and two of the Progress guys sitting with Shawn Michaels behind Triple H and Gorilla during the last set of NXT tapings. So Gabe and the Progress promotion uh, are the most ones most heavily involved. Um, ICW um, that uh, runs in Scotland and England is also affiliated, but doesn't seem to have the deep connection at this point, although they did send Noam Dar over for a show. So there's been some 
uh, talent exchange there, so it's, you know, pro bono type stuff. WWE sending, you know, allowing people to work shows for them. Um, so Gabe and the Progress owners are the most heavily involved. Their talent has been the most heavily picked on, you know, so to speak, uh, in terms of who WWE has signed. And um, that's pretty much the extent of it. I'm not sure about OTT out of Ireland. It seems like they, they've had an on-again, off-again relationship. You know, they're on Flow Slam, which is something that WWE uh, doesn't allow their um, talent on Flow Slam. But then uh, uh, recently, OTT has just been putting their stuff on their streaming site, and they had British Strong Style on this show. So it looks like OTT, I, I mean, it's just, it seems like they're close to either, you know, they're, they're closing in on having a relationship at this point, or they do have decided to establish one. So those are the um, those are the big ones right now. And it, do you think that so far it's it's just helping WWE? What what do the indie promotions have to gain from the dynamic and the relationship? Well, if, if it really helped evolve at first because they were plugging their shows on WWE.com and running wrestler profiles, and then they signed all those talents, or, you know, or most of the, you know, WWE, you know, basically picked most of the Evolve roster apart. Um, well, that's what Jensen Man did back in the day. He started featuring yeah. clips of Ric Flair and the Von Erics on yeah. his TV show, and the other promoters said, oh, wow, this is very nice of him. How magnanimous. And then all of a sudden he started trying to sign all of them. Yeah, and it's like There's you know, and I I think in some ways it's it, it you know it hurt it hurt evolve um, you know a lot of the ta- you know all the top talent almost uh, <laughs> has you know gone there and I think it's kind of hurt them this year from a uh, you know a buzz standpoint. I mean, Zack Saber Jr. didn't want I think uh, you know just doesn't want to go there, and there were some feelings on WWE's end that he wasn't a fit among some members of management. So I mean. I mean, there was a very realistic chance that if WWE wanted him, they would have had him as well, uh, the current Evolve champion. So it's kind of, um, it's really, I mean, I think it's been good for Evolve because they have the seminars with Norman Smiley. Um, You know, it helps them recruit talent. Uh, On the other hand, when you take that much talent at once and dump them all onto uh, 205 Live or into the Performance Center, um, it definitely hurts um, in a lot of ways to lose so many guys that were at the top. And um, but you know, on the other hand, it's you know they WWE uh, got you know, recommended that um, you know Matt Riddle go there, and that's been good for them. So it's been a mix. Um, I think it does hurt though when you lose all that talent. And um, I mean, progress. You know, they had they lost a quite a bit of talent as well, but because. Uh, WWE hasn't launched their UK pro- programming yet. They've had uh, progress has maintained their access to that talent, you know, and hasn't, you know, they haven't gotten got it like, um, you know, Evolve did. But I think, you know, it's uh, <laughs> I never trust WWE um, <laughs> as much as the as much as the promoters enjoy it. I'm sure they enjoy it because of the exposure and money. Um, 
it definitely loses that anti-establishment feel that bonds fans to the product and you kind of see you know like prog like no one's churned on progress or, or evolve yet and evolve's been hurt by other factors like um you know just flow slam just uh doing such a poor job of hyping them and uh, pumping up their program after an initial really strong push combined with wwe uh combined with the wwe exposure but um i think uh you know when you see the you know when you see you know like the when you see the owners of the independent companies like hyping up like i can't wait for this big show match or you know things like that (laughs) just uh it it really loses that you know anti-establishment feeling that made roh so popular in its early days and 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 that's something paul paul Heyman was acutely aware of with ecw and that while he was accepting money from vince mcmahon to keep ecw afloat he was bashing wwe and vince mcmahon on ecw tv shows and and he made his case and got you know, convinced Vince that was the right way to go, that ECW to succeed had to be anti-establishment. I mean, ECW was, there was a lot that was genuine about the, the movement, but there was also an aspect of it being a bit of a con, you know, where as, right. as wrestling promoters often, uh, tactics that they, also, they often uh, utilize in order to kind of sell a certain image. Okay, um, by the way, if you're, if you're interested in this kind of discussion, Sean Radican and uh, an array of, uh, a rotation of co-hosts, Aloha, Torch Faithful. This is Kelly Wells, host of PWT Talks NXT. Every Thursday, you can hear me and my gang of idiots, Tom Stout, who shares thoughts from the live tapings, and Torch recapper Nate Lindbergh, as well as a rotating cast of guests, cover the matches and events in NXT Live on USA Network. Search PW Torch in Apple Podcasts or your podcast app to subscribe, or listen on demand and see the entire PW Torch Daily Cast schedule at pwtorchdailycast.com. Cheers! Slash go VIP. Uh, Ashan, um, I mentioned you cover some of the streaming events. Uh, give an overview of the different options that wrestling fans have now for watching wrestling because you talk about how the world has uh, has shrunk i mean this this ability to just have a window to european indie wrestling japanese new japan wrestling live or on short delay um you know whatever fits your schedule and obviously evolve and fight tv and on and on and on uh, t- talk about and almost rank um the the networks and who you think is doing the best job and offering the best bang for the buck it's a complicated answer because it depends on your tolerance for the devices you need to watch each. If you are happy with a HDMI cord in your computer, I find that to be a pain. Um, you can run anything and it looks pretty good you know, on your computer. I, f- I find the Roku apps to be the best. There's Roku apps for um, Chikaratopia, which is Chikara's um, streaming channel. Uh, Progress on demand. Uh, it's demand. It's Demand slash, uh, there's demand hyphen progress, I think, dot com. Um, it's demand progress, I know that. Uh, they have an app. I'm trying to remember who else. ICW, who I mentioned as having the WWE affiliation, has an app on there. Um, High Spots Network has an app on, app on there. Uh, HD quality streams. Uh, I think High Spots 
in terms of um, over-the-top services that offer, you know, that offer content. High Spots not only works with CZW and other wrestling promotions, uh, you know, they have their uh, they have their own women's promotion, and, and uh, they do a lot of uh, shoot interviews and documentaries, like the Bruiser Brody documentary that recently came out. And that's all nine ninety nine, and all they stream they stream uh, uh, independent promotions like CZW and PWX and others. Um, and for one, one flat rate, you don't have to pay for the iPay per views. It's you know it's with your your high spots network subscription. It's nine ninety nine, and that's just a great value. Um, and you know the uh, Chikara offers a back catalog. You have to buy the newer shows. I believe it's a year. Um, and but they they and uh, but you know once you purchase a show it shows up in the app if you decide to go ahead and purchase new shows uh, but they all look good uh, Pivot Share um, is really good through Roku um, and that's what I have experience with um, Flow Slam as well which broadcast Evolve and some other independents. Um, like uh, FIP and Shine, and they work for, for uh, you know, they work, they've worked with OTT, they've done a little bit with WXW, but they haven't been adding a lot lately. It's primarily Evolve. Their, their site, uh, their app is a pain to navigate on Roku. Um, up until recently, replays weren't showing up and weren't working on Roku, uh, for me at least, and they, they recently patched that. Um, I'm not a big fan of uh, the uh, uh, Flow Slams library. They catalog everything out of order uh, on their website and on Roku. Um, I'd probably rank them. I mean, their picture quality. If you if you happen to catch it live, it's easy to find live because there's live rest. There's a live wrestling tab. But after that, if you miss something and want to find it on demand, it, it's just a pain. Um, New Japan uh, World is on. I got an Amazon Fire Stick just to watch. Uh, someone in New Japan told me I didn't even know they have a Fire Stick app through Amazon. So to watch G1 this year, I got the um, Amazon Fire Stick. It has a New Japan app. Um, it works, you know. It has a really good picture. It's not as sharp as Pivot Share in terms of HD, but it's it's really good. Um, I wish they you know get to that you know that full HD boost, um, but. It's a lot better than an HDMI cord. It doesn't hold like the Pivot Share sites and all the other sites I mentioned. If you stop watching, it has that Netflix-like option, like resume play. Um, New Japan didn't have that, so you had I had to remember if I was watching G1 at the gym and I had to jot down where I was and then go to it uh, within the app, like fast forward, like uh, old school VHS or DVD style. I don't, I guess VHS, um, VHS saved your spot. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Even VHS. That's my only complaint, but that's a great app. Like I'd rather have an app than have to watch on the, with a computer hooked in. So, so the, uh, TV, obviously new Japan is this established major brand out of Japan with very top shelf wrestling. But if somebody wanted to pick, uh, one other streaming network, to sample at the beginning, taking quality wrestling and ease of use into consideration, who's who's the second one besides New Japan that you would recommend to people? And I know you're going to get in trouble for saying this, but you got a contact with a lot of different people. But who has their act together the most and uh, enough good quality wrestling to have you know one or two things uh, you know per week or a handful of things per month that are that are worth watching? 
probably if you want to dive into something right away, um, progress started off a little rocky, but then they had a really uh, good um, – they really did well once um, they got on a roll, and I really enjoyed the uh, – you know, with the um, the heel champion Jimmy Havoc storyline, uh, progress really does an awesome job uh, getting their stuff up on demand quick as well. So, I mean, they're probably my – they would probably, and it's not if, if it, I mean if <laughs> everything like the like uh, you know the other stuff that's good um, uh, evolve was really good but the the app's just a pain to work with you know in terms of uh, I, I'd say progress they you know they they just they they tried so hard to um, get there you know they were going uh, you know, they went to Brooklyn after they ran their shows in, in Boston, New York. They went to Brooklyn. They were just trying so hard to get their show up while they were, you know, running around behind the scenes and traveling and working with WWE during that week. And, you know, they do a great job of getting the shows up quickly. And um, there's some really great wrestling on those shows. So that would that would be like they bring in they bring in outside stars they have a great mix of uh you know uk talent and uh yeah definitely would recommend the uh progress app under the new japan app um i didn't get to talk about fight tv um yeah like that's my favorite app um but it just doesn't have enough con- you know enough of the you know the, i wish everything was on the fight tv app um the way it works, and if you get a Chromecast, I don't have one. A lot of the apps I was talking about, you can cast it to your TV if it's adaptable to a Chromecast. And I keep hearing everyone tell me how great. I just feel like I have a Roku and a, a, um, you know the Fire Stick, and I'm going to have like 68 devices to watch wrestling. But um, yeah. I heard I, I heard Chromecast is very comprehensive compared to the other ones I have, and it works really well. I know Rich Fan, who I've done a lot of audio with, uses Chromecast, and he watches these uh, sites. But anyway, the, the I wish every one of these was like Fight TV, um, because it works on your smartphone, and if you have a Chromecast or if you have a smart TV, you just turn it on and you you know and you just cast it to your TV as long as they're on the same wireless router, and it doesn't even take up like I had the ROH pay per view from England a few weeks ago um, on Fight TV to watch, and all I had to do was press a button and poof, my cable disappeared. You know, I had it on the cable channel. The cable disappeared and it was replaced with the ROHI pay-per-view feed. And when it ended, it just, you know, released the hold on the TV and the cable came back on. And it just, you could, it doesn't, t- it doesn't drain your battery and you can use your phone. It just casts the picture to the, um, uh, you know, just cast to your TV, especially if you have a smart TV, it works with that. If you don't, you can get a Chromecast to work it. But I wish everything was like that. You know, I could hit play and it just went on my TV from my phone. I mean, how easy is that? And um, they 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 do all the ROH pay-per-views and iPay-per-views. I found uh, it was a little rough at first because of the um, – I guess they're having some difficulties with – the uh, technical aspects, you know, being in England and not being familiar with how the, you know, working with things over there to get it to work properly. But once it got going, man, the ROH, ROH's website works so poorly with, you know, you know what I mean? They, they, like, it just baffles me. They have no, 
over the top service. They have no access to their old library. It just, you know, it's baffling. Their VODs are not in, you know what I mean? No HD. You have to buy each one separately. It's just really hard to use. But when they're on iPay-per-view or pay-per-view with this Fight TV app, uh, it, it, it's really awesome, you know. They had they have the WrestleMania pay per view on there that I missed, and uh, now that I have, now that I found out about Fight TV, I can go back and watch that. Eat, I can just play it, and it shows every week of ROH TV. So now I don't have to remember to tape it because at seven o'clock every Monday, it, it goes on Fight TV for free, and you oh, can just right. cast it to your t- you can just cast it to your TV. And another thing is, a lot of cord cutters will be happy with this. Um, UFC just signed a deal with Fight TV, so now UFC pay-per-views starting this Saturday. If if you you know you're looking for an easy way to watch a UFC pay-per-view, you can just cast it right from your phone with your friends. You can bring a friend to it. You know how easy is that? You can bring your phone to a friend's house and cast it to his TV to watch this. It's just Fight well, TV uh, is really great. Support us on Patreon starting at $4.99. Get these shows ad-free and bonus VIP content. That's $4.99 on Patreon. Patreon.com slash PWTorchVIP. That's Patreon.com slash PWTorchVIP. That is the quickest, cheapest, and easiest way to support us and enjoy these shows with a streamlined listening experience. The Wade Keller Post Shows, Podcasts, and the PW Torch Daily Casts, plus some random VIP bonus content. This technology is is just leaps and bounds changing over the last few years, and it seems like it's yeah. more so now. I mean, everything you just talked about for ten minutes is in that that answer would have been thirty seconds two years ago. So um, yeah. the, the options that are out there and the ways to earn revenue are out there. But of course, the key is: are they making money? Are independent promotions, you know, earning sustainable revenue? from these uh, uh, apps and subscription plans and streaming services. And there's a glut of options out there. And uh, I know Flow Slam a year ago was going to make a big splash. And it just, it fizzled. You know, they wanted to bring in more people and be the destination. And they had a lot of money behind them. And they just couldn't make it work. It just didn't happen. And obviously, compared to a year ago, um, they're nowhere near where people, I mean, there was skepticism, understandably so at the beginning. But uh, Flow Sports had a lot of money behind it. And they looked like they were motivated to become the alternative uh, to WWE Network, the place, the go-to central headquarters. What went wrong with Flow Slam, Sean? Uh, they, they fired Jeremy Botter, <laughs> who started the whole thing and yeah. brought it to their company. Um, yeah. uh, that, was, that was what did it. He, had a, you know, he went there. He had an awesome vision. Um, that's what went wrong is when they let him go. He was awesome on social media. He had uh, uh, Toby, his last name escapes me, working with him, who was working with him for content acquisition. Um, and they had an awesome plan. It really was awesome. But, uh, you know, just my red flag going back then was that there's not a lot of money to be made on the indies. And uh, if you have – you know, if you have someone super passionate like Jeremy working for you and he's doing an awesome job and then like after he left, they had made these promises about getting the Dragon Gate and Evolve back library up, which they recently just dropped it all in one draw. You know, it's really strange. Um, 
ever since he's left, you know, they've raised and lowered their price without announcement. Um, <laughs> you know, they don't, they don't send out press releases. They don't, they haven't worked with wrestling media very well or had a presence since he left. Um, but you know, one of the big things that hurt them was, uh, you know, if it, you know, Vince McMahon in Triple H, or well, Triple H, well, you know, Vince and Triple H stepping in and starting to work with companies. So, you know, you know, they definitely scared off some companies from working with Flow Slam or you know, form these working relationships. Uh, there's already two. The the evolved thing is still strange to me, but uh, you know, a company like OTT, uh, you would th- you know, they're not working with them anymore. Um, you know, that would be that would be a great addition that promotion Ireland, which not only, you know, has a couple great local talents, but also, uh, um, you know, they bring in the international names, you know, they bring people over from the U S and England, uh, but they're just lacking that now. Um, and you know, that just really hurt them, you know, just, it, it, uh, just, it feels very segmented and broken up. And I think yeah. that what needs, you know, what, what needs to happen at some point uh, well, it doesn't need to happen, but it seems like it might happen, is for there to be one or two well-funded leaders who just bring a lot of the groups together. Because what you just talked about for the last 10, 15 minutes is way too confusing for the average consumer. It just is. Yeah. <laughs> this is niche of a niche of a niche boutique promotion, and it, this, this should be an easy answer. If I ask you, what streaming services do you recommend besides New Japan, you should say, there's these three. They're, they all have good apps. They all are accessible. <laughs> online or on Roku or on Apple TV and that you just plug it in and you search for this term, you download it and boom, there's a library. It's user friendly. And here are the top reasons to subscribe to each of these three other services. There's this group in that group. There's this group in that group. And then this has this must see group and that should be it. And that's hopefully where they are a year or two from now is, you know, unified or maybe it just gets more segmented and it's just, everybody has their own app and you just subscribe for, a little bit of money to have access and they go for large numbers. But it's, it's, uh, it's the wild, wild west right now with streaming services. And clearly they're still trying to work things out. All right. I'm going to break in here and we promised an email section and boy, did we deliver an email section, another half hour of conversation about emails. And we're going to save that for tomorrow's show. Um, we're at about an hour and a half here and we got to manage the length of these shows. So we're going to add an, a half hour of email discussion with Sean Radican onto Interview Friday. So tomorrow, be sure to download the show to hear the Legacy of the Henning Family panel discussion that I got to be part of at the George Tragos Lufez Hall of Fame weekend in Waterloo, Iowa, at the phenomenal National Wrestling Hall of Fame uh, in downtown Waterloo, Iowa. It's just a great facility if you're ever in that area. Uh, you owe it to yourself to stop on by. They keep regular museum hours. And even better, to plan a trip out there next July. And we'll certainly be talking about that on the show. It is the number one pro wrestling get-together in flyover country. <laughs> as as the, uh, the, the snobs who don't want to mention South Dakota by name on SmackDown might call us. Um, I'm based in uh, St. Paul, Minnesota. And I make the drive to Waterloo every summer. I have done so the last three years. And we're going to bring you a taste of what you're missing out by not being there. So, if, I mean, it's worth flying in for. It's certainly worth uh, driving in for if you don't make it uh, to WrestleMania or Cauliflower Alley or some of the bigger uh, comic WrestleCon events. Um, this is a really good mix of uh, museum, live, cutting-edge indie wrestling, 
and really cool uh, panel discussions and the live podcasts that I host each year. Last year it was with Iron Sheik and Bob Backlund. This year it was with Stan Hansen and J.J. Dillon, Torch Senior Columnist Bruce Mitchell joining me each of those years. Well, we're going to give you another segment of that tomorrow. Never before heard anywhere unless you were in attendance uh, less than two months ago at this Henning Family Legacy panel discussion. I think you'll really enjoy it. So that'll be uh, tomorrow along with the conclusion of this segment with Sean Radigan. So uh, join us for that show. Thank you, everybody, for your continued support. Go to iTunes. Give us five stars if you like our show. It makes a difference. I hit refresh on that every day, and it uh, motivates me when I see more of you took the time to click that fifth star and let us know that, uh, that you're enjoying what we're doing here. And even better, leave some kind comments. What is it about this show that causes you to download it with all the choices out there, let other people know so they can make a better selection themselves when browsing for wrestling podcasts to make time for. And also, if you think that there's room for us to improve, I really mean this. I don't just say this because it's the thing to say. If there's a way for us to improve, let us know. Um, I produce a lot of content throughout the week here for Podcast One, even more for VIP members. In fact, I just counted it up. We had over 130 podcasts. Go VIP. My Twitter is Keller. T-H-E-W-A-D-E-K-E-L-L-E-R. Follow our brand at PW Torch and follow our sister brand at MMA Torch. And want to get the final plug in here for PWPodcasts.com. MVP was just on Twitter uh, last night talking about uh, the review that Jeff Rush put up of his podcast uh, complimenting him for the good review, but also clarifying some points about the format. And it's, uh, it's, it's a pwpodcast.com website is a, is a website that the hosts themselves read to find out what people are saying about their shows. So I hope that uh, you'll check that out too. pwpodcast.com, long form, in-depth, written recaps of pro wrestling personality hosted podcasts and breaking news and compelling quotes from media interviews. So check it out every day, pwpodcasts.com. And I don't think I got around to it. The email for me is wadekellerpodcast at pwtorch.com. So if you have feedback for this show, I really mean it. Send us some tips, some suggestions, some constructive criticism. Uh, Podcast at pwtorch.com. Thanks to Sean Radikin. You can hear another half hour of Sean and I talking about a wide array of topics in the mailbag. Sorry we didn't get to them for you on today's show, but we just were so long on the other topics. Sean and I, when we get together and do a show, it's uh, it's hard to limit our, our time frame. There's so many things to dig into. He watches so much wrestling and knows so much. So get more of it tomorrow. Download the show tomorrow. And if you missed the uh, shows covering Raw and SmackDown this week, download those. And be sure to check out our past interviews, including uh, last week's interview with WWE creative team member, former creative team member, Alex Greenfield, breaking down the Cena Reigns angle and giving you behind-the-scenes scoops and insights and anecdotes about what Shane and Stephanie are like behind the scenes. I think you'll be surprised by the stories he tells. Thank you, everybody, and until next time, Wade Keller signing off. PW Torch is now on YouTube. Check out our relaunched, revamped, and reinvigorated YouTube channel after many years sitting dormant, collecting dust. And now it's back, shinier, brighter. It smells better. It's our PW Torch YouTube channel. And you can check out daily news updates, the weekly fireside chat with Tyler Sage and Zach Hadorn, and my Keller commentaries. The first Keller commentary was my rebooking of WrestleMania 38's lineup. 
I used all the same wrestlers, but none of the same matches. And I tried to make a better two-night event. Decide for yourself. Go check it out. YouTube.com slash PWTorch. And be sure to hit subscribe and like our videos. It is Thursday, September 7th, 2017. This is the post-impact GFW of post GFW Impact PW Torch Livecast here on PWTorchLivecast.com. I am Mike McMahon, as always, with Andrew Socek. And Andrew, I'm not sure how much we're going to talk about the actual episode of Impact tonight. Uh, I'm sure we will at some point, but there's a whole lot more going on behind the scenes than in front of the cameras right now. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I know before, a month or so ago, we were talking about how Alberto El Patron was kind of overshadowing uh, parts of the show, but man, uh, it, it just felt like nothing mattered in a way tonight. Yeah, it was really weird. Uh, and let's get right to it. I mean, if you haven't heard the news, uh, Jeff Jarrett out as the chief creative officer. That happened earlier this week uh, with a statement on the GFW website. Then there was a, a pretty big Sports Illustrated story uh, on Jeff Jarrett's depart- departure, written by Justin Barrasso, and also included tidbits uh, that we'll get to, the major one being that Anthem Sports is already looking to get out of the wrestling business and looking to sell GFW. Uh, you could give us a call if you want to talk about all these stories at 515-605-9345. You can also email us, impactlivecast at gmail.com. Uh, if you can't get on the phone lines, feel free to shoot us an email. Uh, we'll be monitoring that throughout the show as well. Um, but yeah, those are the, the, the two big ones, I guess. And let, let's start with the Jeff Jarrett story, uh, because that was the one that first came out. Uh, Jeff Jarrett was announced by GFW earlier this week on their website in a statement that he was no longer... Uh, it didn't say that he was no longer in the role. It said that he was taking an indefinite leave of absence. And uh, from what I can tell, talking to some people that I think would know, the door isn't closed on his return. But there also hasn't really been a date set for it either. You know, this isn't something that I, I think either party is, or, or let's say the Anthem side, is looking at it and saying, okay, he's going to be back in four weeks. I, I think the indefinite is the key word in the statement from GFW. They don't know it, when he's going to come back. And from, you know, from the limited people that I've spoken to, it does seem like there's a feeling that they don't know whether or not he will come back at all. So uh, what was your, your initial reaction when we learned that earlier this week that Jeff Jarrett was going to be on an indefinite leave of absence uh, to deal with some personal issues? And uh, I know uh, Wade has mentioned this on his, I think it was on his Wade Keller hotline for VIP members and then on the Wade Keller Pro Wrestling podcast on today's flagship with Sean Radican. But uh, there, are, there are, I mean, the, the, that's what everybody's hearing is that these personal issues and some family matters, some private family matters are are, in fact, the reason why this this indefinite leave is happening. Yeah, I I was still very much surprised by it. Uh, I don't know if I should have been, because this has literally happened before, (laughs) where he was uh, kind of uh, left the company for for a while. Um, Yeah, I just... It's so weird. It's just so weird. It's 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 hard to get invested in anything because they just keep running into major, major problems like this. Uh, on one hand, I feel bad for them, but on another hand, they've done so much of this to themselves. And it's just like, you know, we've seen over the years, all these fans just leaving the product and, and it's hard to just 
grasp and be excited for anything, knowing that at any time, you know, they could just pull the plug on this thing. So it's, it's really maybe unfortunate, I guess, if they, in the long term, if they stay GFW, if they, I don't know, if they don't sell the company, maybe it'll be a good thing to get a, a different creative team in there. But um, yeah, I'm not, uh, I don't think things are going to go too well for them over the next few months. Yeah, I, they, they seem to be in dire straits. I mean, I, I yeah. think that, honestly, I mean, I, I feel like, Jarrett didn't give Anthem much of a choice here. Uh, if you saw the performance at AAA, at Triple Mania, clearly something wasn't right about that. And again, I don't want to get too into specifics, trying to be as compassionate as we can, but you know, he, he had trouble getting down the ring steps. His performance in the ring did not appear to be what it was you know, even a, a year ago, whatever it was, when he wrestled in that King of the Mountain match for Impact. I mean, there was there seemed to be issues there. So I know Ed Nordholm was on that trip to Mexico with the GFW talent. He was obviously there. He would have witnessed whatever was happening. Uh, I, I get the impression that he really didn't leave them with much of a choice other than to remove him for the time being. Uh, and then you know, there's been there's been some rumors out there that of, of some family matters that he's trying to address as well. Obviously, right off the top, from a personal standpoint, you hope that whatever he's dealing with, he's able to to get past and is able to move on from uh, and, and put it in his rearview mirror. From from a company standpoint, though, I think you're right. You know, it's it's really hard to invest in a company where the the. The direction always seems to change. And while this one was sort of out of their hands, and we'll see, I guess, moving forward, how much the direction itself actually changes, they need to get to a point, if they're going to continue, where the biggest story surrounding the company isn't what's going on behind the scenes. Because right now, they're at a point where there's several things that people should be excited about. Uh, we've talked about how, how much we've liked Eli Drake. I mean, there's several things that people should be watching the show for and, and could be getting getting excited for and instead we're not like i said off the top we, we might not talk about the show tonight until the third or fourth segment because that's not the story and that's a problem it, it seems like far too often and and anthem's only on the company for eight months but it seems like far too often the product isn't the story it's everything else that is yeah, completely. Um, you know, for viewers, like, you know, you could be excited, like, oh, Jim Cornette's coming in. Uh, LAX is heating up. Eli Drake's the champ. But it's like nothing matters. <laughs> like, you know, we, we've been down this road before. Slammiversary almost didn't happen last year. And the, the entire Billy Corgan and Dixie Carter drama played out. And then Anthem came in. And it looked like finally uh, they were going to be financially stable for a bit. And now it seems almost worse than ever. And uh, yeah, it's just, uh, it, it's sad. Um, and I just, I, I'm very, very curious if this is going to be the end very soon, if those reports of them are just hemorrhaging money are true. Uh, because, uh, you know, we've been talking about them wanting to get that bigger TV deal. And maybe that was a really big blow to them that they were counting on. You know, maybe Jeff Jarrett, you know, tried to convince them that they could get this deal. And then when it fell apart, they just realized they couldn't go on with this company uh, over the next few years. So something big will probably have to happen. And uh, it's just going to completely overshadow 
anything that happens on TV over the next few months. I, I agree. I think that, you know, it's hard really for me to understand what Anthem thought they were buying. They they obviously yeah. knew that, I mean, unless they just did not do due diligence, they knew they were buying a company that was losing money, had really no revenue streams. So I don't know why it's a big surprise that they haven't been making money now. I mean, if everybody knew that TNA wasn't making money before they bought the company. So mm-hmm. I don't know. Maybe they're, they were banking on just, hey, we're going to get a new television deal, and that's going to be what puts us over the top. I mean, it seems as though... If that report is true and they are looking to sell, I don't think that it is a coincidence that this news is coming right after we found out a week ago that they re-upped with Pop TV. Uh, because I agree with you. We talked about it last week. That was not ideal. That's not what they wanted to do. So, Need an extra dose of positivity in your wrestling podcast? Well, come join me, Alan Forel, over in the Pro Rest Paradise at Peter Torch VIP as we bask on the bright side of wrestling and focus on some of the great matches and shows from around the world, be it the US, Japan, Europe, or Mexico. There's always a place for wrestling's past in the Paradise too, and we've done fun historical shows such as the We Love Liger series, celebrating the glorious career of Jushin Thunder Liger and our I Was There When shows, where our guests will join me to talk about a classic bout that they were in attendance for. We love variety, and you can expect lots of it at the Pro Rest Paradise. Detailed PWF Torch VIP subscription information and a list of all the VIP benefits is available at pwtorchvipinfo.com. And yes, all VIP podcasts are compatible with popular podcast apps on iPhone and Android devices, or you can stream them directly from our ad-free VIP mobile site. See you in the paradise. If it's true, it makes sense that, hey, maybe they thought that they were going to get it on a new television network with some licensing fees or some television rights fees, and that was going to be at least enough to make them sustainable. That's not happening. Therefore, they're looking to get out. Um, I, I think there are some bits and pieces to that SI story that are hard for me to wrap my head around, to be honest with you. Um, I don't know how much of it is I, – you know, I don't want to rip it apart, but there, there are pieces in there that don't make sense to me. You know, there was At one point, it talks about how valuable the GFW or TNA library is, and I don't think it's very valuable. So there's there's some pieces of the story that I don't think are – adding up um mm-hmm. but if they were to sell if anthem was going to look to sell the company i think that you're right it does mean the end of the company because i i think when dixie carter was looking to sell she still had such a personal attachment to the company i think i, I think deep down even if she was selling it and getting out i think she wanted to see it continue she wanted would have wanted to see it continue um anthem i don't think is going to have that type of attachment to the company they just they haven't they haven't owned it for very long it's not like they've run it for 12 years i mean there's no real personal connection that ed nordholm or uh anyone at the fight network or anthem sports has with with gfw and tna so if they sell it the biggest asset the company has is the tape library even though i don't think it's worth all that much uh i don't think it's worth as much as other people do there's and we could talk why. I mean, there's several factors why, but there's that's what they're selling. 
Because what else are they selling? Are they selling a TV deal with Pop? It's a barter deal. That's nothing. Are they selling a roster? Maybe. There might be some guys that are under contract, but there's a lot of other guys that probably are working paper appearance. And so so what are you buying? You're buying a company that's, that's losing money. I don't think there's going to be a whole lot of buyers for that. I think if they look to sell, they're going to look to sell the tape library. And, you know, there's really one buyer for that. It's WWE. So, uh do do you think that there could be a buyer that comes in and wants to run the company, or or do you sort of think the way I do that? Hey, if they're going to sell it, they're selling it. They're basically selling the tape library, and the company itself is no longer going to exist. Yeah, I lean towards the latter. Um, I you know Billy Corgan almost bought the company. Uh, I would imagine that he is so soured on that experience that he would just not want to pick them up. Yeah, I agree. Uh, again, yeah, it, which is. I mean, in hindsight, incredibly unfortunate because, uh, you know, just a whole nother wrestling universe is out there with the Hardys uh, and Mike Bennett and everyone still in the TNA under Billy Corgan's uh, promotion. But the reality we're in right now, yeah, it is not looking good. And, um, you know, when WCW went out of business, there was basically one big buyer, you know, had maybe Time Warner dug a little deeper, they could have reached out to like a Jerry Jarrett or some other people that may have that interest but in this era yeah i don't see anyone else but wwe i mean ring of honor is not going to buy it uh you know no other promotion that i can even think of would have any use for it so and nobody like netflix i'm you know i can't imagine they would want a product that's already dead you know to capture like 15 years worth of wrestling so yeah it really just comes down to one company right now and wwe could be just like well i'll give you a million bucks or whatever. I don't know. Maybe even half of that or a tenth of that. You know, who else is going to bid for it? So they are not in a good situation. And uh, yeah, I, I, they, Anthem is going to just take a huge loss on this thing, it looks like. And and that's the thing. So, uh, and again, if you want to talk about this news, you can do so. 515-605-9345. That's how you get on the phone lines. Uh, if you are on hold, you just got to make sure you hit the number one. That's going to tell us that you want to get on the air. So we see, I see a lot of people on hold. Not everybody is in line to get on the air. So if you are on hold and you want to get on the air after you get put on hold, you just have to hit the number one. That's going to tell us you want to get on the show. You can also email email the show at impactlivecast at gmail.com. Uh, but, Andrew, yeah, back to your point, there's one buyer. I mean, mm-hmm. and that's why I don't think it's going to be as worth as much as people think because WWE paid – $2 million, I believe it was, for WCW. And they didn't just get the tape library, but that's basically what they were buying. And I think some people believe that this tape library is going to be worth more to WWE because it has AJ Styles and it has Samoa Joe and it has some Sting. And, and that's Kurt Angle. I mean, that's all, that's all legitimate. That's all true. However, from WWE's perspective, they're the only buyer. More than likely. Mm-hmm. No one else has the ability to monetize that library the way that WWE does. So they're the only buyer. That generally doesn't lead to the price going up. You know, if you're trying to sell your house and there's one person interested in it, you're not going to come out of that deal Oh, you know, looking good if you're the seller. Uh, you want there to be some competition so it drives up the price. That's not going to happen here, more than likely. So that is... You know, part A of of my evidence that I don't think it's going to sell and be worth as much as people think. Part B to that is WWE is cutting fund or cutting expenses left and right. 
They're not, including down to we're not using pyro on TV anymore because it costs money. I mean, we, we've seen them drop network original programming. Um, we, we've seen them just network shows that were original programming. Just programming has completely gone away. Some of the ones that were really costly to to produce. I don't see them being in a position right now to just say, yeah, we'll we'll buy this library for two and a half million, three million dollars. I think that Anthem is going to be in trouble if all they're trying to do is sell the library because they have one buyer and that one buyer is cutting cutting expenses and going to, is, would try to acquire this library for as little money as possible, uh, which is what they would do, of course, a- anytime. But I think now more than ever where we see them cutting costs with their product, not only cutting costs with the network – I don't see WWE coming in and being willing to, to cut a big check for this tape library. I think WWE's perspective would be, okay, fine. Uh, you don't want to sell to us for $700,000? Go find someone else that wants to buy it. And then Anthem is stuck with either, okay, we get nothing. We close the company down and get nothing back at all, or we sell to WWE for whatever their price is. That's really the position that they're in. They're the ones that need to sell it. They're the ones that need the money. WWE, I think, is going to be able to name their price, and I don't see them naming a high one. No, nor should they. Yeah, I mean, that's a great point, that they're cutting all those different uh, network shows. I mean, in my mind, I just cannot picture going on the network and then clicking on TNA, and you can click on you watch any show uh, that you, that's ever been there. I, that just doesn't seem like something that would be of much interest to them right now. Um, yeah. And just like they just did such a bad job of just chasing off other potential suitors like uh, Arlux marketing, I believe it was called the place where uh, Ron and Don Harris worked at. They were negotiating. Um, I don't think D- Dixie Carter is going to come out. Uh, you know, I don't think her parents are going to give her more money to buy this thing. Billy Corgan's out of the picture. Hulk Hogan and Eric Bischoff aren't going to join forces to get this thing. Yeah. It's, it's one company that this can go to and um and they don't need it they do not need it whatsoever if they buy it are they going to get any more people to subscribe to the network no i, I mean maybe a, a couple dozen <laughs> i can't imagine there's that many people out there who would just subscribe just to watch old episodes of impact and it's uh really unfortunate but i, I yeah i just uh I, I don't see this going well uh, and that's if they're trying to sell so, I mean, we don't know. That that was reported. Uh, I want to talk about the way that, that GFW handled this news this week as well, because they had a conference call with Johnny Impact. Uh, they didn't address it at all, and, and other than their statement on the website, and flat out said they're not gonna, going to address it, which I thought was interesting. Um, but what I also, uh, we can also get the phone calls. 515-905-6345. Excuse me, 515-605-9345. If you want to get on the phone lines to talk about this GFW news, you can also email the show, impactlivecast at gmail.com. Andrew and I have to take a quick break. We'll be back in just a minute talking more GFW news, uh, especially all the stuff that broke down this week. So join the livecast at 515-605-9345 or impactlivecast at gmail.com. Andrew and I will be back in just one minute. Every Sunday night, catch Wrestling Night in America on PWTorchDailyCast.com, hosted by me, PW Torch columnist Greg Parks. Each week, I'll welcome a co-host from the Torch family to discuss the big shows in pro wrestling, taking your calls and emails. You can listen live most weeks beginning at 8 p.m. Eastern. 
On Sunday nights with a WWE or Impact pay-per-view, we go on the air at the conclusion of that pay-per-view. You can listen live, but of course the full show is available for download on demand anytime shortly after it airs. Visit PWTorchDailyCast.com and click the live stream link to find the next scheduled live show link. Search PW Torch in Apple Podcasts or your podcast app to subscribe. Wrestling Night in America every Sunday, PWTorchDailyCast.com. You know, Andrew, going through the notes that I, I wrote down here on that SI story, another interesting wrinkle to this that I forgot to bring up in the first segment. According to that story, GFW and Global Force Wrestling, the name, the actual trademark, is still owned by Global Force Wrestling LLC, which is still owned by Jeff Jarrett. <laughs> so even though, even though they announced a merger earlier this year it doesn't appear that legally that merger was ever executed and jeff jarrett still owns the name global force wrestling that to me is interesting for one reason and one reason only ed norholm has been spending the last five months telling anybody who would listen that Anthem Sports owns the Broken Universe. And we've talked about it at length on the show. I think, honestly, that he's right. I think they do. I think by the letter of the law, if you if you were to break down the, the legalities of the contract, they probably do own the Broken Universe. But he's been so obsessed with owning the Broken Universe, yet didn't appear to care about owning the name of the damn company? <laughs> Like that is that tells you all you need to know, I think, about the state of management. When you announce a merger, you've been working for months under this new name, and oh yeah, well we forgot to, you know, have the actual trademarks change hands. Just absurd. Yeah, I had I had even forgotten about that. Uh, just you know, all the other things going on, but that is complete insanity, and very TNA like of them in general. Um, so yeah, I mean, the company would go out of business, but it would be TNA. Well, GFW, I guess, could still survive on somewhere else. Um, Jeff Jarrett, I think, alluded to saying something that he was excited for future opportunities, something along that line. I don't know if he has. Uh, a plan in mind for what he wants to do. But I, that blows my mind that they went months and months uh, and months uh, of rebranding this thing. And yeah, they didn't just sign the paperwork like, Hey, if you leave this company, then this is ours because we put it on TV for months. Like that's a, a completely normal business uh, deal. And they did, they just completely failed to do it. Uh, so yeah, this could get really messy. It's, Absolutely insane. I mean, I don't know. Maybe I'm a, I'm a little conservative from a business standpoint, but you can't let those letters even – you can't allow any of that to be on your TV until all that paperwork is signed. Um, mm-hmm. you, you, I mean, if nothing else, you think they would have learned from the Hardy situation. You know, when it comes to owning IPs and all this other stuff, they were in the middle of, of an IP fight with the Hardys over the broken universe and they don't bother 
signing paperwork to make the merger complete. Now, it's kind of funny because I, I mentioned that on Twitter yesterday, and Bruce Mitchell, PW Torch senior columnist, uh, responded with, well, that's the best move they ever made. It means that they didn't actually pay Jeff any money for the GFW name, from the, alluding to the sense that it's you know it's worthless. What, what is GFW? We talked about it at the time. What are they merging with? GFW is a company that doesn't really exist. Um, so that that's true. I mean, I guess that's, that's a, a piece of good news, um, but I just don't know how I, – I really don't know how you go this far. In, and you've got your champions named the GFW champions. You're, you're, how do you do that without actually owning the name of the company? It's just insane. I mean, it, it, I think it really tells you yeah. a lot about the state of the management and just how disorganized things can be sometimes. It, and as bad as – Things are, I guess, for Jeff Jarrett at the moment in the sense that he's kind of been kicked out for a bit. He has to be the luckiest guy ever to be in wrestling because uh, TNA would have crumbled without uh, Dixie Carter coming in. So he didn't, him and his dad didn't lose all their money. He got booted from the promotion. He gets to come back in with, with GFW and bring his promotion uh, to a national audience. He gets kicked out, and he still probably owns that trademark and can take it somewhere else. Uh, if he so chooses, which I'm guessing he will try uh, if they do try to sell this thing. Uh, yeah, so complete insanity everywhere. And uh, it, it's just like disappointing that we're talking about this. You know, <laughs> yeah. it's like, It just feels like we're in this time loop and it never ends with this company. And uh, it, it's just not surprising that so many people have given up on it over the years. Uh, yeah, it's really not. I mean, it's it's just amazing. But let's get to some phone calls at 515-605-9345. Again, if you want to get on the – well, I see a lot of people on hold, like I said. But if you want to get on the air, you just got to hit the number one when you are on hold. Uh, let's go up first to Cody in Louisiana. Cody, how are you doing this evening? Hey, guys. How's it going? Uh, all right. A little depressed. <laughs> yeah. No kidding. We might be out of a job, Andrew. We're not, totally, not going to have a show to host if they go out of business. <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm, sure, I'm sure the fans will get a way to get you guys some new jobs. <laughs> I wouldn't worry about that too much. Oh, good. Um, so, uh, you know, I do actually have a question about the show tonight, but uh, along with a couple other topics that I want to bring up. Absolutely, yeah. But uh, I, think it's only, I think it's only fitting – that I start this off by saying the same thing that I said last week, which is that even though Eli Drake is now the GFW champion, he still gets the short end of the straw because no one is talking about him right now. Mm-hmm. No. Yeah. Um, and it's, and it's, and it's, it, and I agree with pretty much everything that you guys said. It's a damn shame. It's a damn shame because you got so much going for this company. You have a, up a, an up and coming star like Eli Drake, who's your champion. You got other up and coming stars like, uh, Matt Seidel, who's, you know, basically reinvented himself uh, after after leaving WWE. And you've also gotten, uh, you know, you got Johnny Mundo to come in. You got strong tag team champions. Uh, you got an up-and-coming X Division star. They even announced a really interesting rematch for the X Division championship next week. And yet and yet it still feels like none of that matters because uh, because of the whole situation is going on. But, um, uh, you know, uh, with... And like you said, Mike, you know, the WWE is really the only one that kind of would be interested in it. And I also agree that they may not even ask for a million. They may go for some, 
for that 700,000 figure that you mentioned. And, um, but I think that's something that, uh, you know, that optimistically WWE can use to their advantage because, you know, again, they can sell it for a pack of peanuts, uh, or I should say they could buy it for a pack of peanuts pretty much. Um, and then of course they can use it for, you know, stuff both in and outside of, uh, their t- television product. Cause they can use that. Of course, all the content on from AJ Styles, all the content from Samoa Joe, because uh, you know the way those guys have been working, they're definitely going to be on. Uh, they're definitely going to make some DVDs out of those, and and they can sell those. Um, and also, you mentioned the Broken Universe. Uh, if GF, if uh, you know, if, if that company owned the Broken Universe and WWE buys it, that means doesn't that mean that the WWE can use the Broken Universe on their television product if they decide to buy it? And if so, that would make that would make significant. Uh, that would be a, a huge coup for WWE, in my opinion, because of how big it was. Uh, I mean, because I, I think that the WWE wouldn't have signed the Hardys back if they didn't see something in them that had been that had been that had been growing. Uh, what do you guys think? Yeah, I mean, I, I assume that they would. Uh, if they if they were to just buy the video library, they wouldn't necessarily own the trademarks. But I'm sure it'd be similar to WCW in that they would be buying. You know, Anthem would be liquidating the company, not just the video library. I think in WWE's case, when they bought WCW, the most the most valuable thing to them was the video library. Uh, but you know, they also got some rings, I'm sure, and they they did uh, take on some talent as part of that acquisition as well. So I would imagine if WWE were to be the buyers, if, if they were looking to sell, again, that's assuming the SI story was correct. If they're looking to sell and WWE were to buy the company, I think it would be similar. They'd probably acquire the trademarks, they'd acquire the intellectual properties, they'd acquire the tape library, uh, and et cetera. So I, I believe it would be similar, yeah. Uh, I can't imagine, I mean, I just, I don't think Anthem, I don't see any, way that they could split the assets up and sell them individually. I mean, I know that happens with companies sometimes when they go out of business, um, but there's not. it's not like there's other major wrestling companies out there where WWE would buy the library and somebody else would buy the rings and somebody else would buy that. I mean, first of all, there's not that many assets to sell. And second of all, there's not that many buyers, period. So, uh, Andrew, are you sort of – I mean, I would imagine that WWE would be purchasing – Everything they'd be they'd be purchasing the the entire company probably just you when we say buying the video library I think they would just be utilizing that the most. In 2012, NXT transitioned into the developmental system and ultimately the brand you see today. On the Torch VIP podcast, NXT Eight Years Back, we'll be taking a weekly look at this page in NXT's early history. Join Kelly Wells and me, Tom Stout, from PWT Talks NXT every Saturday as we go eight years back to the day to track NXT's rising talents and why they did or didn't work out, exclusively for PW Torch VIP members. Yeah, I think so, too. Uh, that, that is a good point, though, about the Broken Universe. Um, like, that should be appealing to WWE, because I'm sure they could make uh, quite a bit of money off of merchandise if they got that up and running again. Um, so they should take a look at that. But still, even with that, um, it probably doesn't increase Global Force Wrestling's uh, 
you know, stance on that. I, I'm also curious, it's just kind of popped into my mind, if the company sells, will they be able to sell every episode or will Jeff Jarrett lay claim to the ones that have GFW on them? Uh, <laughs> That's a great so point. That could be a whole other yeah, that could be a whole other issue of the past eight months of uh, TV or however many months that's been around. Yeah, I, I know when they announced the merger, which apparently never actually happened, uh, Jeff Jarrett was being listed as a minority owner. But still, Jeff Jarrett, I would think, would now have claim against – and who knows? But if Jeff Jarrett were to separate himself from the company – right now it's important to note he's still employed. He's on a definite leave of absence, but he's still with the company. If Jeff Jarrett were to leave, I think – I mean, I'm not a lawyer, but uh, he owns the name. He owns the trademark. I don't see how the company, how Anthem – could use the name and use the trademarks without Jeff okaying it and signing off on it. I mean, that's sort of how it works. So uh, that, oh man, that that could be a real messy situation. Yeah. It's, it's just, I mean, for me though, it seems like the only thing worth its salt that has the GFW name is really, to a certain extent, the X Division Championship because there's been a long lineage of the X Division Championship. Like the the uh, and may and you could maybe make an maybe make an argument for the grand championship, but I I, I doubt that too. I doubt that too because like first of all, none of the championships mean anything because they're still brand new, and they were merged with they were merged basically from the Impact Championships with these GFW championships that basically had no meaning because they had TV tapings that weren't aired until recently, um, and. Uh, it's, it's, it, I, again, it just feels like it's just a shame because now, uh, once again, it seems like we're talking about the company being on life support and mm. think, wondering who's going to sell, uh, if they're going to sell or who they're going to sell it to. Um, also, if they have talent under contract, uh, then depending on the talent, I think it could be a really big, uh, also another nice coup for WWE. So, like, for example, if they have Eli Drake on contract, he could be a really good up-and-coming talent for them to put on NXT. Um, and also, if they have, like, any X-Vision guys, of course, like, you know, the Cruiserweight, uh, the cruiserweight talent needs, some, you know, some more talent to refresh. So I think that might be something that would be um, something that would help them. Um, I, now, I don't remember if, uh, if y'all talked about this last week, but I, it's okay if I ask a question about the, uh, the Rosemary and Sexy Star incident from last week. Yeah, sure thing. Okay, because uh, one thing that I noticed is that the co- the common denominator is not like it, it kind of seems like the common denominator in not only the Rosemary situation but also the Ty Valkyrie situation is centered not a, like not just around uh, not just around Sexy Star but also centered around Vampiro, who I think is the head of talent relations for AAA, and um, it just seems really really odd that. Both of these situations, of course, occurred with Sexy Star with, um, you know, with Taya Valkyrie being stripped of her title, even though uh, she won it in a notice qualification match, but was disqualified anyway. But also with, uh, also with uh, Sexy Star, like, seemingly taking liberties on her, uh, onto herself with Rosemary. And I feel like it just seems like nothing, 
is being done by Vampira, who's supposed to be the head of, who's supposed to be in charge of her. And it just seems like he's, you know, he's letting her basically run wild. And I'm wondering if more of the blame should be focused more on him than it is on her. Because, uh, you know, Conan himself talks, uh, talks very frequently about his, his issues with AAA and why he left and why he started the crash promotion. And, uh, and then of course, uh, Jericho talks about, uh, how badly, you know, uh, how much of a, you know, a D bag Vampiro is in his books, even though he doesn't really speak, you know, speak pu- in a public forum about it, like using his podcast, but even having Ty Valkyrie on his podcast and having her explain that situation. So, um, even, but even though Sexy Star is to blame for uh, both of those, in, or just one, at least one of those incidents, uh, my que- my other question would be, um, especially with the Rosemary situation, uh, should the focus be more on how Vampiro is running the talent, or just leave it like it is, focus on Sexy Star? What do you think there, Andrew? I mean, I, I, my initial reaction is that Vampiro... You could, you could, I think, place a little bit of blame on the way the talent's being handled, but ultimately, people are responsible for themselves. I mean, especially with the the sexy star Rosemary incident where she's taking liberties with her opponent. Uh, I, I think you put that more on the individual wrestler than management. But, but what's sort of your read on that, Andrew? Yeah, I agree with you. Because, um, like, we, we talked about this last week. Like, nothing like that has really happened uh, in this modern era that I can really think of. To that extent, uh, and Vampiro, it, it seems he did not handle it well at all. But yeah, I mean, it, it started with her, and uh, he, I don't know, tried to brush it aside. Maybe just did not confront it head on. But um, yeah, I, I would still just put more of the blame on her. But uh, nobody, nobody looks good in this situation. Yeah, I agree. I don't think anybody really looks good at all. Um, especially sexy stars. And she's the, like you said, she's the one that she's, especially with Rosemary taking liberties on her opponent. Um, it just seemed, it just seemed pretty odd that Vampiro, uh, not only was, not only did he strip Ty Valkyrie of her championship, uh, even though, even though you can make a claim that she rightfully won it, but also the fact that sexy star did this on, you know, on, on his watch as well. Mm-hmm. But, um, but that's really all I really wanted to say about that. Now, I do have a question. Like I said, I do have a question about the show tonight, and, and it has to do with Ty Valkyrie. And, you know, I'm, I'm a fan of Jeremy Borash. He's, uh, like, he has a great personality, and I, I listen to him sometimes when he's on Conan's podcast. Or, and I was just, you know, growing up watching TNA. Uh, you know, I was a fan of him as a backstage interview. But, you know, can you be a little bit more excited that you have somebody <laughs> debuting on your show? <laughs> because, like, literally, Ty Valkyrie walks out and the first thing that you hear is is JB saying, "She's here," like in that almost that exact same tone of voice, like no excitement, no exhilaration of having this new star, like this famous women ref, woman wrestler from AAA, come on to your show. And it was a good angle for her to be on too. And it just was not like the announcing for that particular situation was not good either for. JB or Josh Matthews, like if it was, for example, Don West, I think Don West <laughs> probably would have been a little bit more excited about that. And I got to tell you guys, I'm a huge fan of Don West. He was one of the reasons why I stuck with TNA when they were on the up and up because I because he made me get excited about the stuff that was going on in the ring. 
and the stuff that was happening uh, in promos. But uh, but what do you guys think about that segment? Uh, I don't disagree. Uh, you know, whether it's Don West, like you said, or, or uh, look at the way that, that Jim Ross would be able to sell things. I mean, I, I haven't been – the announcing has been better. The, the announcing has been ten times better than what it was in the spring when all they did was bicker at each other the entire time. But I, overall, I mean, I think it's probably average at best. I mean, it certainly I don't, I don't think it's adding anything to the show. Um, I don't necessarily think it's taking anything away the way it was before the match at Slammiversary where Matthews and Borash were just at each other's throats the entire time. But, um, you know, I don't, I wouldn't say it's spectacular by any means. How about you, Andrew? Yeah, I think I said something to the effect of a week or so ago that Jeremy Borash is always in the range of like a four to a six out of 10. He's like, he can never hit those big, epic moments like a Jim Ross can, Mauro Ranallo, even like Matt Stryker hits these better, uh, bigger moments in Lucha Underground. But Jeremy, I've, I've noticed this many times. Yeah, Jeremy Borash, just like something big happens and it, it's just not reflected in his voice at all whatsoever. And I don't know if he's maybe just not aware of that or he's incapable of hitting those big moments. But yeah, he he's definitely brings stuff like that down. And I would say pretty much a weekly basis because he doesn't, make things feel more important as the show progresses or the things that need to be put over. Everything just has the same amount of passion and enthusiasm. And yeah, he just doesn't hit those big moments that he needs to. And and I agree with you. I I would take Don West (laughs) over him or Josh Matthews just for somebody who is enthusiastic about the product and can get excited. I mean, Don West did go over the top quite a bit, but uh, he made it fun at, at times for sure. So they are, I think they're definitely missing something like that. I, I totally agree that the announcing is much better than it's been in the past. Um, and they do a good job of announcing the, the stuff that's going on in the ring. But yeah, like uh, somebody like Don West, who's really enthusiastic about, uh, about what's going on in the ring. And like, you can tell that he's a huge fan of it. It's just, uh, it's really, I was really disappointed when he was taken off the broadcast table even for somebody like Taz, but at the same time, uh, it's just at the same time, you, you know, you, you miss something like that. And I, and again, he's, uh, Don West was, especially when TNA was up and coming, even before they got on Spike TV, he was one of the reasons why I kept watching uh, TNA at the time, because he was just so exciting. Like it made me want to be excited for it. And, you know, it's a great moment that ties out your mixer debut and, you know, and even if, uh, even if it served to, you know, swerve and crush Rosemary instead of a nice debut, but I just didn't feel excited about it because the announcing didn't do it for me. Yeah, I, I completely agree. And we're, we're up against another break, so I got to get, uh, to a break, but I, we, we appreciate the call, Cody. And yeah, I, 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 I don't disagree with you. And I don't think Andrew does either. There's just, it's very average, I guess is, is the best way to describe it. I'm not sure that. I'm not sure it's been bad. It's probably been okay more than it's been bad, but uh, average at best, I think, is how I'd describe it. Yeah, I totally, uh, yeah, I totally agree with you. Well, uh, I'm gonna let you guys get to your break. Y'all have a good night. Thanks, Cody. Yeah, you too. You too. All right, so we got to get to another break here on the PW Torch Livecast Post Impact Show five one five six zero five ninety three forty five. If you want to join us, you can also email the show Impact Livecast at gmail.com. Uh, Andrew and I will be right back with more of your phone calls here in the PW Torch Livecast. 
Give yourself a reason to look forward to going to the mailbox each week with a PW Torch newsletter paper copy subscription. Details at pwtorch.com slash paper copy. It's 12 pages every week packed with my TV reports along with exclusive features such as my cover story on the top story of the week, our pay-per-view roundtable reviews from the Torch staff, exclusive feature-length columns from Greg Parks, Rich Fan, Sean Radikin, Alan Cunahan, and Zach Hadorn, Torch Talk transcripts, the latest news, and more. pwtorch.com slash paper copy. Take a break from screen time and settle in every week with a mega dose of wrestling news and analysis with a Pro Wrestling Torch newsletter paper copy edition in the year 2022. You can get a full year of home delivery for just $99. Or try us for an eight-week trial subscription. pwtorch.com slash paper copy. All right, back here to the PW Torch Livecast. Uh, going to our next call, the no... There's no caller ID that shows up here, so I believe this is an international call. So, uh, caller, please state your name and where you're calling from. Mike, Andrew, this is actually Kylan, but I'm guessing Block Talk is having an issue. So, yeah. that's probably why... <laughs> That's probably why my number isn't showing up, but this is the 862 area code. <laughs> I was so. going to say, I, I know the 862, but yeah, no, it's, it's showing up as all ones here, which usually means it's uh, it's from Canada or from overseas. So, But how are you tonight, Kylan? Hi. I'm welcome. There's you guys, but I I have one of my usual predictions, which is going to tie into my questions for this week. Sounds good. Let's my have it. Prediction. My prediction is that by January first. 2018, we will hear that Anthem Sports and Entertainment will officially attempt to sell the TNA and Impact Wrestling Library and whatever trademarks they have well my i was just gonna say if anyone's a new listener to the show kylan has been spot on with his predictions since we started here in january uh he predicted that they were going to bring the gfw name on board he's uh, stuff that at the time i know we were like "Ah, i don't know we'll see he's been spot on since the very beginning so (laughs) you if I remember correctly, Mike and Andrew, you guys said that you thought it was virtually impossible <laughs> for Jeff Jarrett to even want to change the Impact Wrestling name to Full Force Wrestling. And three months later, it happened. <laughs> You're absolutely right. <laughs> I, I believe that, yes. So, 
My question for this week, question number one, if, if, if Jeff Jarrett does attempt to take the Global Force name somewhere else, does he call up his good friend Toby Keith, or maybe perhaps a Will a Willie Nelson case, tried to use Toby Keith's uh, alleged connection to CMT to to try to get a a new deal with Viacom since he since he was allegedly very tight with many officials within the Viacom organization since the Paramount Network may or may not be a possibility. Uh, you know... Question? I don't... I, I I just I don't see it, you know. I don't. Maybe maybe he does, but I don't know if that would have been a possibility with Toby Keith's connection. And, and Jeff Jarrett is close with Toby Keith, but if connections there would have been able to to maybe land uh, a deal with CMT or back in the Viacom family, I don't know why it wouldn't have happened yet. You know, I'm sure I'm sure that he would have tried to make that happen. I'm sure he would have made those phone calls. Uh, and the fact that they re-upped with Pop, I think tells me that there was really no interest anywhere uh but but andrew what what's what's your thoughts on that i'm sure he'll probably try uh i know before he was talking with toby keith and they were talking about uh wanting to buy the company but dixie carter had to be on the air still and it was this weird situation so i'm sure he probably will go to him if he's ousted uh from gfw completely um, but it's like, oh God, I, I hope not. <laughs> yeah, and I guess, you know, you know even if he was out, if he's, if he, why wouldn't he do it now? I mean, I guess that that's my mm-hmm. thing. That's my point. Like if he, if he was, has these connections, why would he do it when he was out of the company trying to do something with the GFW name again? Why wouldn't he be trying to use those connections now to build up the brand, uh, you know, uh, well, before Monday? <laughs> I I I can answer that. Now I don't I don't know I don't know Jeff personally, and I and I have no connection to him whatsoever. But I think in his mind, he's he's thinking, okay, Dixie's out, so she she has no way of impeding me or throwing an obstacle in my face. I know I own the Global Force Wrestling LLC name, so I see no reason why Toby Keith wouldn't work with me because unlike last time, I don't have Dixie Carter all in my face telling me she still wants to be a television character and she refuses to sell unless I do something with her. 
yeah, no, I I think that's true, but you know, I, and maybe I'm misunderstanding the question. I thought you meant would he be trying to do something with Toby Keith if he leaves GFW altogether, if, or if he leaves Anthem altogether because he still owns GFW. Um, that, you know, that is that is what I mean. So I I just I mean. I don't know why he wouldn't have been doing that already. And again, maybe maybe there's a reason why. Maybe maybe Anthem didn't want to work with anybody on the outside. But you know, I I would look at it and say if if he's working for Anthem Sports and he's running GFW, Dixie Carter's not there. You would hope anyway, if he's in charge of trying to make the company as big as he as he can make it, if that's his job, that he would have been trying to to make those connections and uh, and reach out. Already, I mean, if you're talking about Toby Keith as an investor to GFW to try to launch or relaunch that brand, assuming he takes it away from Anthem and starts to do something else, then, then yeah, then I I, I think you're correct. I mean, I'm sure that'll be a, an avenue he tries to go down. Thank you for listening to the Wade Keller Pro Wrestling Podcast. Don't forget to also subscribe to our Red Logo Show. The Wade Keller Pro Wrestling Post Shows featuring our live post shows, which you can download and listen to on demand at any time, covering Raw, Dynamite, and SmackDown throughout the week. With rotating guest co-hosts, live callers, and emails, plus on-site correspondents who talk to us right after they leave the building on Monday, Wednesday, and Friday nights, that's the Wade Keller Pro Wrestling Post Show. Just search Wade Keller, look for the red logo, and click subscribe. It's free. Question number two, since I'm, as I'm sure you are, very surprised that Pop has not yet rescinded their renewal deal for Impact, especially in light of all the information that has come out in the past three days. Not not that we want this to happen, obviously, but how soon, if at all, do you expect Pop to rescind their renewal agreement for impact for next year? You know, without seeing the contract, I don't know. I don't know if they would or if they could. I mean, you, I remember back the Destination America deal. I think we knew that they canceled Impact back like that summer, and they were still tied into airing the rest of the episodes. And even Spike, I think we knew sometime around October, maybe it was or September, that they were going to be dropping Impact, and they had and they carried it through the end of the year when the deal was up. So, if they've already have something on paper and it's already signed, they may be stuck into the deal now of course if gfw goes out of business there's not going to be any shows to air um but i don't know if legally they can take it back at this point if the offer's already been signed and the contract's done and uh, that would be really quick my guess is that that hasn't happened yet but assuming if it has there they might not be able to rescind it if it hasn't been signed yet um you know i'm still not sure that they would do it right away because the show is still bringing in viewers. It's still one of the most highly rated shows, if not, I mean, I don't know what other pop shows are generating in terms of numbers, but I'm guessing it's one of, if not the high rate, highest rated show on the network. So 
it's a barter deal. It's not costing them any money. Um, you know, I don't really see a reason why they would have to cancel it just because it's not it's not like they're paying production production costs, they're not paying a license fee. So it's there's no real expense to them. I don't see why they wouldn't just keep it on until it no longer exists. But uh and Randy, what are your thoughts here? Do you think that this could have this news this week could have any effect on what their relationship is like with pop moving forward? And also it is worth noting that GFW in a press release earlier this week did tout <laughs> if that's what you want to call it, uh, that that they've renewed with Spike. I mean, it was one of, I think it was like the fourth thing listed in a press release. So clearly they're not too excited about. It. I mean, well, excuse me, with Pop, uh, it was like one of the third or fourth things listed in a press release. So they're clearly not too too excited about it. But uh, do you think the news this week of Jeff Jarrett leaving and potential selling could have any effect on uh, what their relationship is like with Pop moving forward? Uh, I had the exact same thoughts you did. Like. Um... Pop, I would assume they would want to keep it on TV as long as they can because it's either that or three episodes of The Young and the Restless in a row. So <laughs> it's it'll or Swedish dicks or the Swole guys or whatever they're called. Everything else that, yeah, that this, this, they've promoted. This could be this could be Swole's opportunity to really make it a make it big. I guess, but it's a ready-made time. Uh, slot. No, I, yeah, <laughs> I, I think they'll keep it as long as they can, just just because. If nothing else, they would have to fill that TV time. And yeah, like you said, I think the ratings are uh, probably the best on that network, I would assume. Yeah, and ultimately, I mean, it doesn't cost them anything. <laughs> if it is a barter deal yeah, and they're, yeah. not paying, they're not paying GFW any money to air the show, they really have no motivation to cancel it, would be my, would be my guess. And my final question, and least I think, out of the list I came up with, <laughs> do you find it ironic or even terrible that Global Force Wrestling Management ha- has the sheer temerity to announce that? They're going to be launching a global wrestling network in the middle of another firestorm of controversy, knowing that very few individuals will probably subscribe when that day that the switch is flipped for them to go live actually happened? Uh, that's a great question, because it was something that I, I wanted to talk about later in the show, too. Uh, I don't think that press release yesterday would have happened if the news on Jeff Jarrett didn't break and the SI story didn't happen. I think if those two things didn't happen, that press release is not going out yesterday, because they really didn't give us any details. They announced that they were going to have this global wrestling network, which Josh Matthews or Jeremy Borash had said on last week's episode, there was no new news, there was no launch date, there was no information, essentially, at all in that press release. And they included some other things, too. They included the pop renewal. Like I said, they buried that third or fourth on the list. They included a new TV TV deal with some places over in Europe. But um, it, it struck me as their response to the the negative news that was out there almost as if to say hey 
we're still in business. We're still planning about things going forward. You know, it, it very much looked to me like it was them trying to say, like, hey, we're we're not trying to sell. We're still trying to do things over here. We're we're not bankrupt yet. We're still you know we're still chugging along. I don't think that that press release would have happened at all if the the news and the SI story didn't break the couple of days before. But Andrew, what were your thoughts? Did you, did you happen to see the press release and where they kind of announced something without really announcing anything? Yeah, I did, and it was very. It, it just strikes me as very strange. Um, if you remember when the WWE Network was first officially unveiled. Uh, like Stephanie McMahon was there, Triple H, Shawn Michaels, Steve Austin. Like it was this huge, huge, huge event. And of course, uh, GFW is not going to be able to do anything quite at that level, but you think they could at least do something more than saying like, Hey, it's coming someday later. <laughs> yeah. You know? That's what I mean. There was no information. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's silly. And it's just another long line of silly things that have gone on really in this uh this year and um I, I i don't know if this will ever see the light of day really so yeah, well, I, I wouldn't get too excited for people who are holding out for it that's a good point and i i just think i think it was a total pr move to just try to yep. release something to distract people from what else was going on and just make it known that hey we're still planning on doing things in the future you know that's that's what it looked like to me yeah that that's exactly what I thought. Well, we'll continue to we'll continue to swim through the proverbial muck of in, <laughs> of insanity that is global force wrestling together, guys. All right. Talk to you next week have a good one thanks Andrew sounds good Kyla thanks for the phone call uh, yes we will we will we will uh, we will be here until the end when <laughs> whenever that is um, and it might be you know if you believe some reports it might be sooner than later so uh, anyway let's get to another break uh, and then Andrew when we get back you and I can actually talk a little bit about this week's episode um, but yeah, uh, th- there were some other things that, that, that we could have gotten to about this news, um, but we seem to have hit on most of it. So let's get, to, we'll, we'll get to running down, we'll get to running down this week's episode of Impact. So we do get to talk about a little bit of what actually happened on the show tonight. Um, but we'll do that after a break. So we got to get to another break. When we come back, Andrew and I will run down the show. And then for VIP members, we'll have a VIP after show that comes up right after this episode of the PW Torch Livecast ends. Uh, but all that is coming up later. So, in a bit, right after the break, Andrew and I will run down what happened on this week's episode of Impact Wrestling. You're listening to the PW Torch Livecast. With some podcast memberships, there's a complicated system of having to enter a username and password in advanced settings, and it works on some apps but not others. That's not the case with PW Torch VIP membership. We now have a slick setup where you're a single click away when you go VIP from having your podcast feed automatically generated on Apple Podcasts. All you need is an authorized VIP membership as soon as you sign up on our express sign-up form, which takes about a minute. You'll get a link and you click on it and it opens Apple Podcasts and subscribes. No entering anything, no advanced settings. You can also subscribe on more podcast apps than ever other than Apple Podcasts, including Beyond Pod and Dogcatcher on Android and many others on iPhones and iOS. So VIP membership, it's more convenient than you realize. 
Get all the benefits of VIP membership, all the VIP exclusive podcasts, and these shows with the ads and plugs removed with a VIP membership. PWTorch.com slash GoVIP. It's quick, it's easy, it's convenient, and we think it's worth it. PWTorch.com slash GoVIP. So it should be noted, we usually do a three things on this episode on the Thursday livecast. Uh, we didn't set one for this week only because there's so much other news to talk about. Uh, Andrew and I were bouncing some emails back earlier today. We didn't want to feel like we were just forcing it in there with so much other stuff going on. And here we are, you know, an hour and three minutes into the show, and we haven't even talked about a single thing that, hap- that happened on the show. Uh, so that tells you all the news that there was to cover on this week's edition of the Thursday Livecast uh, right after Impact. So let's run down this week's episode, Andrew, and then uh, – We'll get to recording our VIP after show for PWTorch.com VIP members right after that. Uh, you need to be a VIP member to hear that, though. That won't be here on the live cast feed. Uh, we'll tell you more about PWTorch.com VIP in just uh, a little bit right after we run down the show. So let's start it. Uh, they, they went to a, a really rapid-fire matches uh, to start the show, which makes sense when we get to some of the video packages they aired later. But they started the night uh, right away. Petey Williams and Sanjay Dutt. They defeated Trevor Lee and Caleb Conley. I thought this was a decent opener. Uh, and my notes in this match, which don't really apply because we saw him later on the show, but uh, I couldn't get over the absurdity of not seeing Desmond Xavier for almost a month. Uh, anytime I, mm-hmm. I've seen the X Division guys since August 17th when he won the Super X Cup, has been, where is Desmond Xavier? He won this big tournament. On August 17th, on the live episode of Impact, and then disappeared. And here we are at September 7th, uh, you know, 21 days later, and he hasn't been seen. Now, he was seen in a video package later on in the show. So, uh, But still, why did it take so long to get this guy back on TV? And what were your thoughts on the opener? I, I thought it was, you know, a decent match. I didn't think there was anything great about it. Uh, and they also announced and set up that Sanjay Dutt will take on Trevor Lee in a... I think it was a false count anywhere match next week for the X division championship. Yeah. To me, it seems like the X division has already lost any momentum they had after the super X cup. Uh, it was fun and exciting to see uh, Drago and uh, uh, Ichimori uh, and, and these new faces. And it, now we're back to just kind of Trevor Lee being there, but not being taken seriously. And Sanjay Dutt, we've talked about him before, just not being overly interesting as a character. Um, I'm, I'm glad to see Petey Williams back, but him facing Caleb Conley again, who has meant nothing. It, it just doesn't feel as uh, interesting or as exciting as it should be. So, um, yeah, it was fine. I mean, not a huge step backwards for Trevor Lee or anything, but it just feels like he's in this weird holding pattern. And nothing really of note happened. Yeah, exactly. It was just kind of there. <laughs> uh, then they went to another. T- oh, they went to another tag match after a break. LAX beat John Boland and Zachary Wentz in two minutes. Uh, the, that wasn't really the story of the segment, though. The match well, I thought was a good showcase match for LAX. They just got in and beat beat a couple of guys up for a couple of minutes and then got a really easy win. Uh, but OVE came out on the stage after the match. They had cut a promo on LAX. LAX cut a promo back on them. They set up a match that they said was going to air next week. It was going to happen in Tijuana at a crash promotion show where LAX was going to defend the GFW Tag Team Championships against OVE. 
so we're going to see that match next week. It's, it was going to be taped, or it may have already, I'm assuming it's already has been taped, uh, in Tijuana at a crash promotion show. You know, Andrew, I, OVE, I thought their debut stunk. They've gotten better, mm-hmm. si- they've gotten better since then. But and this probably speaks more to the lack of depth in the tag team division than anything else. But why do they have a title shot? You know, who exactly have they beaten to earn a title shot? Because there's all these other teams that you would think that they would need to go through. Granted, Reno Scum is injured, but you have Garza Jr. and Laredo Kid. You have the Veterans of War. Uh, you have all these other guys that you would assume they would have to beat before they would get a shot at the tag team championships. Instead, OVE is beating some jobbers, and all of a sudden they're getting a title shot. Oh, that, I mean, yes, that is a great point. And it just feels way too rushed. Like OVE, uh, they want to get him over as these cool, young, hip uh, baby faces who, are, you know, could potentially be the top stars in the division. But they're already taking on LAX, you know, just after a month. You know, I mean, where do you go from there then? Uh, so this is something I wish they would have held back on for a few months. And yeah, let OVE win a couple more squash matches and then move on to veterans of war and all the other take teams that are there. So yeah, uh, this kind of, it fell flat for me just because I didn't want to see it yet. After that, they went to a knockouts tag team match. Sienna and Taryn Terrell beat, uh, Allie and Gail Kim. And again, uh, an angle after the match, we talked a little bit about it with Cody earlier. Taya Valkyrie comes to the ring, uh, as the heels are beating up Rosemary, Valkyrie comes to the ring, makes her debut, and then goes nose-to-nose with Sienna for a couple of seconds before turning around and blasting Rosemary. Uh, so she comes in as a heel. Wrestling, wrestling does this a lot, but the way that this type of segment is executed always drives me crazy. You have the heels, Sienna and... and um, Taryn Terrell, just beating up Rosemary. She's on the mat. She's she's literally just getting stomped. She's a, she's no threat at all to the heels because she's getting her butt kicked. And Valkyrie comes down and fakes that she's going to help Rosemary only to turn and blast her. Well, why? She was already getting beat. If your goal was you wanted to see Rosemary get beat up, well, just stay backstage. It's happening. Like, you don't need to come out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh it's it, little things like this always drive me crazy because like if you're looking at it from a wrestling standpoint if, let's let's pretend it's a it's a real sport for a minute and you're a heel why wouldn't you want to keep that little tidbit of information that that you're you know you're you're going to side against rosemary you want why wouldn't you keep that secret why would you come out and blow it in a situation like that where you don't, she's getting beat up. You don't need to come out and beat her up. She's already getting beat up. I mean, it, they've done it this way for years. I don't think it's ever going to change. But every time I see an angle like this, it's that little detail that always just drives me up a wall. Uh, yeah, that is silly. Like one of these times, I just want the heel to also the new heel to come in and then just start kicking them while they're already down, so they're already unconscious. So the following week, they'll be like, "Hey, I also saw you joining in on that attack." Yeah. Really under it'd be really underwhelming, but <laughs> more realistic. Or or um, have Valkyrie come down and and do the whole fake thing. She beats up Rosemary, but then turn around and beat up Sienna. You know, if the because mm-hmm. she didn't she didn't really look like she was siding with Sienna and and Taryn Terrell as much. I mean, there wasn't really any intera- any interaction there. She she beat up Rosemary and then went to the turnbuckle on her own. So if the 
story is that she's like this lone wolf character. Well, then have her beat up the heels too. Yeah, I just I, I did I really like Taya. I thought she was fantastic in Lucha Underground, but uh, I did not enjoy this segment. Mainly, I think, because it made Rosemary look really bad. And, uh, you know, the crowd was actually cheering for her. We've noted before how she's one of the more popular wrestlers in the impact zone. But she just keeps getting punked out time and time again on TV. And she finally gets something. And then two heels beat her down. And then she gets tricked, just like uh, Sting always did by Lex Luger. (laughs) I don't know. It just didn't didn't look good for her. Yeah. Uh, After that, they set up. Uh, in a promo segment in the ring, Jim Cornette uh, set up Loki versus Johnny Impact to determine a new number one contender for the GFW World Title. That'll happen next week. Um, you know, Cody talked about how Eli Drake is being overshadowed by the outside news going on with the company. Eli Drake kind of felt overshadowed on this show to me. Uh, you know, they're making a much bigger deal about the number one contender match next week than this title match. And I don't know if that's a reflection on Matt Seidel as a challenger or if it's more of a reflection on, on Eli Drake as champion. But, you know, they, they did advertise it throughout the course of the show. They advertised it ahead of time as well. But it didn't seem like this title match didn't seem like it was getting the attention that, you know, the Bobby Lashley title matches were getting earlier in the year where the whole show was built around that one match. I mean, there was not that it was lost, but there were things uh, like this here where they're naming a number one contenders match for next week without the title match even happening yet, where it didn't seem like all of the focus was on that championship match. Yeah, I agree. Um, Eli Drake, I, I was really excited to see that he was champion, but it's not off to a great start. And it's not really his fault. He's just been booked very, I mean, last week he was in that like 25-minute match. Tonight he was in a match uh, that, that probably went like 20 minutes, and we'll, we'll get to that in a bit. But, yeah, um, it, it, if it doesn't get over and it doesn't work, it, I, you really can't blame it on him, it, it seems. But, um, yeah, just kind of disappointing how that's playing out at the moment. After that, we got her back. Crazy Laurel Van Ness is coming back. Uh, she was in a vignette with Grado. Grado called off the wedding because she's Canadian. And, of course, Grado's just trying to stay in the country by marrying an American. So uh, the, the gimmick here was, and I thought this was actually kind of clever. So Laurel Van Ness went crazy when Braxton Sutter left her at the altar. And now Grado is calling off her wedding. So this is now twice in like a five-month span that Laura Van Ness was engaged and getting her wedding called off, and uh, she went nuts again. They She smeared her, her lipstick all over her face. Uh, crazy Laura Van Ness has been a guilty pleasure of mine. I think she's fantastic, and uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm excited for Crazy Laura Van Ness again. Uh, yeah, I am too. I mean, I, I've been probably higher on these segments than the vast majority of people. <laughs> out there but yeah uh her and grado together were not gonna work well for very long so uh might as well turn her crazy again um it'd be nice if they actually gave her some wins this time around yes but yes maybe that's hoping for too much no i agree there uh then they went to some video package three segments in a row of video packages on the gfw guys down in triple mania uh they showed jeff jarrett in these video packages which they almost had to um, he was such a big part, especially the Rosemary one at the end. I don't think they could have edited him out. Uh, I don't, I mean, I obviously didn't show him participating in the match at all, which I think was intentionally done. Uh, but they did 
show him in interviews. They did show him backstage, which they, they he was in his wrestling gear when they showed him backstage arguing with LaParca after the sexy star Rosemary incident. But yeah, they uh, they showed these video packages on a number of different things. I thought that they they did a really good job telling a story between Moose and Lashley. Moose eliminated Lashley in a gauntlet match, and uh, it seems like that's going to be a match they're building towards. I would assume Moose and Lashley is going to happen at Bound for Glory. Um, it just seems like that this was the beginning chapter in a story for those guys. Uh, but these video packages were good. You know, We've said it in the past. The way they've done their video packages have always been really good. Uh, and if they did more things like this rather than in-ring promo segments when it, for, to, to develop characters, I'd be fine with it. I thought... All three of these, and they, they some of them were you know long. All three of these were really well done. They told really good stories, um, and thanks for listening to our podcast. Did you know we also have a website? PWTorch.com. Daily news updates, editorials, and my live TV coverage covering Raw, Dynamite, and SmackDown, and my live pay per view coverage for WWE and AEW. Create a tab or bookmark, make it a daily stop, visit us throughout the day, every day to keep up on breaking news and more. That's pwtorch.com. We can get to some of the context of the the Rosemary Sexy Star uh, portion of these videos towards the end, but what was your initial reaction to just the presentation of these videos in general? Uh, I absolutely loved the first one. Uh, it was really well done. With it, Lashley it, and Moose, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah me too, me kind of, too. Yeah, I thought it was just excellent. Uh, Bobby Lashley, you know, he seemed very upset with his loss. Uh, Jeff Jarrett tried to give an explanation for it. Uh, they treated it as if it was real, a real sport, real emotions in play. And uh, it made G- uh, Global Force just look big, being in that big arena, uh, 20,000 people there being a part of that. And the way it was shot and lit and, and edited uh, just, yes, thought it was excellent. Um, by the time they played the third one, I was a bit like, is, are they serious? <laughs> like, uh, did they time the show out wrong? Did they forget to tape a match? Like what, what is going on here? Cause it seemed to go on for like 40, well, probably not 40 minutes, but like half an hour. It felt I, th- like I think it was about a half an hour. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. But um, yes, I felt that that first one was one of the best, Things that has aired in Global Force all year. I mean, it probably wasn't a half an hour of video packages because it was commercial time in there as well. But I, I think it started right around 9 o'clock, and then it was about 9.30 or so when they started getting to some of the other stuff before the title match. So there was a couple of commercial breaks in between, so probably eight minutes of commercial time. But, yeah, about 22 minutes then uh, worth the video packages, I would guess. Oh, wow. <laughs> Yikes. I also got. I also thought it was interesting that the attendance kept kept growing. In the first, in the first <laughs> video package, they were talking about how there was going to be twenty five thousand people in that building, and then in the second one, uh, Johnny Mundo said that there was going to be thirty thousand people in the building. So it seemed like with every video package, the size of the crowd was growing. Um, yeah, the, I was going to say the other thing that struck out to me is, uh, as good as those were, I did not think uh, Johnny Impact. I still just don't think he's a very good babyface. Yeah. I don't know if it's his cadence in his promos or his weird cockiness or it, it something he's doing is just not clicking for me. How, what do you think about him? Yeah, no, I agree. I think I, I think it's the delivery, and I think it's yeah. you know I thought the character he was playing as Johnny Nitro when he was with the Miz was really like a sweet spot for him. It was just that that, that, that yep. cocky heel. 
he he comes across. I mean, even if it's not intentional, he just comes across that way. So I thought he was presented yeah. really well then, and that was probably about two thousand six or so. Um, but yeah, I, I think he's better as a heel too. Uh, then you know the, the last package they aired here on this too was the the highlighting the incident between Rosemary and Sexy Star, and they showed Sexy Star just cranking on Rosemary's arm. Uh, then they showed backstage where Jeff Jarrett was trying to fight LaParka. Um, and just officials yelling at each other. I, I'm still not 100% sure how I feel about this content in particular because it made it feel like a work. And, mm-hmm. you know, hey, maybe they're working everybody, but as far as I know, that was a shoot. She was really trying to break her arm. So I don't really like the fact that they made it feel like a work. It's not going to lead to a sexy star versus Rosemary match. It's not, I mean... They are literally inhumane if they try to force Rosemary in the ring with her after what she did at Triple Mania. So I don't think it's leading to any type of match. So talking about it and bringing it up seems a little weird. I mean, I get why they did it because it was such a big story that they almost probably felt like they had to acknowledge it and touch on it. But just some of the stuff they included I thought was strange. You know, Jeff Jarrett literally shoving and trying to fight La Parker, it looked like, uh, was an odd choice in terms of that footage being picked to air. Uh, and it also, you know, might tell you a little bit about uh, why Jeff Jarrett was placed on a leave of absence this week, especially uh, where Ed Nordholm, the guy in charge, was, was down there and witnessing all that. Yeah, I mean, if this somehow leads to Jeff Jarrett versus LaParka at Bound for Glory, all is forgiven. But otherwise, uh, yeah, it was it was uh, weird. I, I was more interested in seeing what Jeff Jarrett looked like uh, at that event, just because that was part of the talk of why he was uh, let go. And yeah, he did look a bit out of shape there. Um, the other thing that strikes me as weird. Um, is that they didn't like cut a promo with Rosemary after that and have her yeah. talk about the incident. The only thing we saw her was her getting the crap beat out of her. So any momentum, any intrigue. I'm not even sure she was in the video package. I don't think she was. I mean, they showed the clip of her getting her arm wrenched, but I don't think that she had any sound oh, bites. That's in it. true. Yeah. So anything that could have gained from that is gone because they put the focus on Jeff Jarrett. So I don't know. Yeah, I, I wasn't a big fan of it. It's a new year, so why not treat yourself to a PW Torch VIP membership and get these shows with the ads and plugs removed and a ton of VIP exclusive audio shows such as the new Focus on AEW and Focus on WWE series that I record throughout the week dedicated to a focused look at WWE news and a focused look at AEW News, along with commentary, analysis, and Q&A with VIP member listeners. Plus our post-pay-per-view, VIP-exclusive roundtables, and so much more. Plus over 35 years of archives of podcasts, radio shows, newsletters, articles. Check it out, pwtorch.com slash govip. Tells you all about membership. So why not make 2022 the year that you enjoy all the benefits that come with a PW Torch VIP membership? Yeah, I'm a big fan of the first one between Moose and Lashley, like you said. Yeah. This one, uh, this one, not so much. Then they, well, then they had a video package on Desmond Xavier, so he is alive. 
Uh, that's great to see. Uh, then they went to the main event. Eli Drake retained over Matt Seidel. He used the GFW title belt to hit Seidel with, uh, who was, as he was on the top rope in the turnbuckle, and then got the pin. Uh, pretty good match. You know, again, felt like it was probably overshadowed a little bit by them not really paying much attention to it. I mean, even in the match itself, Jeremy Borash is. Uh, reading live reads for Shop Impact. They took a commercial break in the middle of a title match. I mean, they didn't. They did a whole lot to make you feel like this title match wasn't important. Uh, but Eli Drake, being the type of character he is, needing to cheat to beat Matt Seidel, I thought worked. There's several things happening in the middle of the match that I thought was ridiculous. You know, taking a commercial in the middle of a title match, I think, is dumb. Uh, trying to talk about, uh, you know, the fact that what about Bob is coming up next on Pop TV. <laughs> Instead of your world title match uh, is stupid, but the match itself in the ring thought it was good. Didn't think it was great. Thought it was good. Uh, everything else about the presentation though was like, come on, guys, get your act together. Like, don't. I don't care what's coming up next on Pop TV in general. I especially don't care in the middle of a world title match that What About Bob is coming. What About Bob is a fine movie, <laughs> but I don't care that it's coming up next. When you have a title match in the ring, and neither should you. Just like I don't care about buying a t-shirt when there's a title match in the ring. And I get it. You're trying to sell your shirts. Find another spot in the show to do that. Yeah. The the entire presentation of this just made it feel so mid-card. Yeah, uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean, this could have this could have happened, you know, two weeks in a row. Two weeks ago, this could have happened in the second match on the card, and it would have felt exactly the same as the way it was presented. Um, all the momentum Matt Seidel had from his big win over Bobby Lashley is completely gone. Uh, Eli Drake, he's quickly running out of momentum. I, he'll, I mean, there's still plenty of time for him to turn it around, of course. But, yeah, this just did not feel important. The match was fine, like you said, but um, I don't know. Having, like, a 20-minute match or a 15-minute match and then ended with a belt shot for me is always – uh, I don't know, just a bit lackluster. I, yeah. I wish he would just go in there and maybe squash a few people, get some momentum headed into this uh, title run. But, um, yeah, just just not a strong way to end the night. I don't disagree with you there either. I think the belt shot is kind of a weak way to end it. I, I like the fact – I'm okay with it because of the fact that Eli Drake is a heel and, and it's – kind of works with his character. You know, he's never been a guy, he, he's never been, a, he's never had an aversion to cheating. So I, I, I get it, but like you said, to invest 20 minutes into a match and you're really getting into it and to see it end with something like that does leave a little bit of a bad taste in your mouth. It's weird because they gave Eli Drake, you know, he really didn't cheat that much in that, uh, that 20 man gauntlet match. I mean, they made yep. him look pretty strong. And then they're, like, cowering on doing that right now. I mean, Matt Seidel, I mean, to me, you know, go Eli Drake over him. I mean, what does that matter? So I don't know why they're protecting him at this point. Um, But, yeah, they're they're just not – it's like they're just not quite committing to this title run, it feels like, to me. Yeah, you know, I've always been in the mindset where – if you're the champion, if you have a champion, you're booking a territory. If you have a champion and you're not willing to put that champion in a match where you're going to put the champion over clean, then mm-hmm. don't put the champion in the match. <laughs> you know, that's yeah. I, I've always tried to. I always think that that works best. You know, if you're not willing to put the guy over and put the guy over clean, then put him in the ring with somebody else and find a system that works. But. Um, 
Yeah, I, 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 I didn't think that this made Eli Drake look particularly strong, especially where he needed so much help from Chris Adonis as well. I completely agree, and I, I'm, I've probably said it multiple times that they need to get those two away from each other, in my opinion. Adonis just isn't doing anything for him. Yeah, I mean, other than, than acting as sort of like some higher muscle, there's really not a whole lot that, that's being added to the character right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, but they let uh, they let Brodus Clay go. Oh, no, Tyrus. Oh, I said his old dog. Oh, uh, yes. <laughs> yeah, so it's not, as, that, it's not as good as that pairing, so it even feels like a retread of something that yeah. even wasn't that great. Yeah. So I would just get them, get them away from each other. All right. Well, that was it for this week's edition of impact wrestling. Uh, that will be it for Andrew and I here in the PW torch Livecast. But before we go, we want to tell you a little bit about pwtorch.com VIP. Andrew and I are going to be recording a VIP after show right when we're done with this live cast. That after show is exclusive for PW Torch VIP members. Uh, there was over 130 podcasts posted on the pwtorch.com VIP uh, feed last month on our after show tonight. Andrew and I are going to talk about WWE's decision to move Raw live on Christmas and New Year's Day. We'll talk about the Shane McMahon angle from SmackDown and also uh, react to Alex Greenfield's story uh, on Wade Keller's pro wrestling podcast last week when he talked about working with Shane and the differences between working with Shane and working with Stephanie, which I thought was interesting. But we're going to get into some WWE topics uh, on our VIP after show, which, again, we record right when the live cast goes off the air. If you want to learn more about PW Torch VIP, you're going to learn more in just a minute. But, Andrew, anything you want to add before we get out of here for this week? Uh, no, I guess if you want to follow me on Twitter, it's Andrew, S-O-U-C-E-K. Uh, and check out pwpodcast.com. I'm an editor over there putting up new uh, recaps from a lot of great writers out there almost, pretty much every day. Uh, Edge and Christian's podcast. Uh, today we put up X-Pac 12360. We'll have Coke Cabana up soon. Eric Bischoff. Uh, something to wrestle with. And uh, just, yeah, tons of great stuff out there. So uh, check out pwpodcast.com. You can follow me on Twitter at MikeMcMahonPW. That'll do it for Andrew and I this week. Thank you guys for calling. Thank you guys for listening. We'll talk to you next week. Remember, if you have any questions throughout the week, impactlivecast at gmail.com. Andrew and I will keep an eye on that. We'll answer any questions on the show next week as soon as Impact goes off the air. But before we get out of here, uh, like I said, we want to tell you a little bit about PW Torch VIP. Uh, but that'll do it for the show this week. VIP members, we will talk to you in just a couple of minutes right here on the VIP uh, on the PW Torch VIP feed. For you non-VIP members, hopefully you listen to this little spiel and you are willing and uh, want to come on board and join not only uh, Andrew and I, but the Wade Keller Daily Hotline, the Bruce Mitchell Audio Show, the Fix of Todd Martin, uh, Sean Radican's Wrestling Audio Community, and so much more if you go VIP. Here's a little bit more about PW Torch VIP. Andrew and I will talk to you next week as soon as Impact goes off the air here on the PW Torch Livecast. Now you can subscribe to our VIP podcast lineup within the Apple Podcast app using your Apple account. That's new as of March 2022. 
Just search PW Torch in your Apple Podcast app, and you'll see the PW Torch Daily Cast logo show up. That's our free show that's been around forever. And also the PW Torch VIP Podcast logo. There is a free show every week, so subscribe, even if you don't plan to go VIP and get a sample of our VIP tier programming. But if you click subscribe, then you'll become a VIP member instantly with a three-day free trial, after which your Apple account will be charged. So you don't need to take out your credit card, debit card, or go anywhere else. If you listen to our free shows on Apple Podcasts, you are five seconds away from being a VIP member with a three-day free trial. So we invite you to check it out. That includes dozens of VIP shows throughout the week, including VIP versions of the Wade Keller Pro Wrestling post shows and podcasts and daily casts. All those episodes are presented to VIP members with ads and plugs removed, along with VIP exclusives like our post-pay-per-view roundtables, the Wade Keller Hotline, The Fix with Todd and Wade, everything with Rich and Wade, and many other VIP exclusive shows. Just search PW Torch within the Apple Podcasts app. Searching for more great pro wrestling talk? Then join me, Jason Powell, host of the free weekly Pro Wrestling Boom podcast. Each week, you'll hear the latest news and analysis from me and my team at ProWrestling.net along with other pro wrestling media members. Plus, the Pro Wrestling Boom podcast features long-form interviews with notable names in the pro wrestling industry. Subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, Downcast, and all your favorite secondary apps, or visit us directly at PWBoom.com. Once again, that's PWBoom.com. Factor has been a sponsor of this program for most of this year, and they sent some free meals when they first became a sponsor. Since then, I have become a steady customer. I've come to really value having a Factor meal in my refrigerator that's two, three minutes away from lunch or dinner when I'm busy. If I'm preparing to cover Raw or I'm in between phone calls, I'm, I'm able to have a great meal that I know is made of good whole food ingredients. It's a ready-to-eat meal delivery kit that's different than a lot of meal services you've heard about because there's no prep. You just pierce a couple holes in the plastic and microwave it for two minutes, and you've got your meal. In Factor now offers over 32 meal options per week, including 11 keto options, plus a lot of seasonal add-ons. For me, I choose the vegan options, and they're fantastic. And this meal plan is great for people who don't like to cook or don't know how to cook. I like to cook, and I know how to cook, and I still like having these Factor meals available. It makes it easy to eat well for breakfast, lunch, dinner, and everything in between with fresh, never-frozen meals that are so delicious you won't believe they're actually nutritious. I'm pretty particular about the ingredients of my food. I like whole food, I don't like processed food, I don't like heavy salt. You can tell with Factor, they find every way to make these meals healthy and delicious without sacrificing nutrition. You can feel good all summer with whole food meals expertly portioned to keep you on track toward your goals and perfectly satisfied. So you can savor the flavor, but not stress the prep. And I'm not always in town, and Factor makes it really easy to skip a week or two weeks. There's no worry, or as many weeks as you want. You can change your order up every week with plans from 4 to 18 meals per week. So some weeks you might think you're going to be busier than, than others. You can order more Factor meals. Other weeks you're going to be eating out more, not around as much. You can reduce the number of meals to just four. Factor puts in the work so I don't have to. They're registered dietitians and expert chefs work hand-in-hand to create meals that I feel good about eating every day and sometimes multiple times per day. They also offer cold-pressed juices, smoothies, energy bites, extra protein, veggie sides, and more to keep me fueled and focused all day long. So go to go.factor75.com slash wade120 to get $120 off your first five boxes. That's go.factor75.com slash wade120. And then enter coupon code wade120. That's wade120. You can also find that URL link in the description of today's podcast. That's go.factor75.com slash wade120. 
and then enter coupon code WADE120. That's WADE120. I fully endorse these meals. They're convenient, easy, whole food, nutritious options. Save on time and eat a variety of delicious meals throughout the week. This plan is for you. That's go.factor75.com slash WADE120. And then enter coupon code WADE120. That's WADE120. One benefit of VIP membership is access to our back issue library. Contemporaneous, in-depth, insider reporting on pro wrestling in real time over the past 30 plus years. And throughout the year 2022, we're going to begin our march through the year 2002 with back issues posted each week in PDF and all text formats. You can read it in a PDF format with our original magazine slash newsletter style layout on your screen and flip through the pages, or you can read a straightforward all-text format on your phone or tablet or laptop. The back issues early in 2002 covered the arrival of Scott Hall, Kevin Nash, and Hulk Hogan to WWE and all the controversy that came with them. Plus my cover story that broke the news on the planned launch by Jerry and Jeff Jarrett of a promotion called TNA. Also, the early 2002 features are 2001 year in review features, including ranking pro wrestling's most influential power brokers and our Torch year-end awards, the year in quotes, and the top 50 stories ranked in order from the year 2001. So go VIP and dive into our back issues. We have most of our back issues available as soon as you sign up with new back issues week by week from the year 2002, one at a time throughout the year 2022. pwtorch.com slash go VIP. pwtorch.com slash go VIP. That's pwtorch.com slash go VIP for full information and our sign-up form. It's more than podcasts. It's an unmatched library of wrestling history spanning more than three decades as soon as you sign up with more issues added throughout the year. In 2012, NXT transitioned into the developmental system and ultimately the brand you see today. On the Torch VIP podcast, NXT Eight Years Back, we'll be taking a weekly look at this page in NXT's early history. Join Kelly Wells and me, Tom Stout, from PWT Talks NXT every Saturday as we go eight years back to the day to track NXT's rising talents and why they did or didn't work out, exclusively for PW Torch VIP members. Hey guys, it's Mike McMahon from the All Elite After Show. Every week, Andrew Socek and I break down AEW on our free PW Torch Podcast. We've been doing this show since 2016. That's right. We're on our fifth year. When we started the show back then, we were talking just Impact Wrestling, and we still talk about them from time to time as well. And over the years, we've branched out to also discuss MLW, and of course, the main event of our program, which is always the latest going on in AEW. Again, the show is called the All Elite After Show with me, Mike McMahon, and my partner, Andrew Socek. You can check us out as part of the PW Torch Daily Cast lineup. You can subscribe to our show and all of the Daily Cast shows just by searching PW Torch on any podcast app. And of course, you can listen ad-free with a PW Torch VIP membership. Wrestling fans, are you that person that works in a pro wrestling reference to every aspect of your life? Well, we're those kind of people too, but we do so with mixed martial arts. 
I'm Robert Vallejos, host of MMA Talk for Pro Wrestling Fans, every Monday on PW Torch's Daily Cast lineup. Not only do we cover every UFC and Bellator event, we provide context that only a wrestling fan would really understand. I mean, we're the type of people that if you ask us about how much of a mess the middleweight title situation is, we're likely to reference WCW in the early 90s. Think of us as a podcast for casual MMA fans done by hardcore wrestling nerds. And you can find us by searching PW Torch in Apple Podcasts or any popular podcast app. And we're always available on demand at PWTorchDailyCast.com where you can check out the entire lineup of the PW Torch Daily Cast. I'm Rich Fan, host of The Deep Dive with Rich Fan, a weekly part of the PW Torch Daily Cast lineup of shows. Search PW Torch and Apple Podcasts or your podcast app to subscribe. Every Saturday at 6 p.m. Eastern, I dive in with a guest for an hour on anything in the world of wrestling or wrestling related. Want to hear about the influence of historical figures like Big Cat or Ernie Ladd? We gotcha. Want to hear about how crazy the Marine movies got? We are on it. No topic is too big or too small. So if you want to dive in with us, call in live or listen on demand and see the entire PW Torch Daily Cast schedule at pwtorchdailycast.com. Give yourself a reason to look forward to going to the mailbox each week with a PW Torch newsletter paper copy subscription. Details at pwtorch.com slash paper copy. It's 12 pages every week packed with my TV reports along with exclusive features such as my cover story on the top story of the week, our pay-per-view roundtable reviews from the Torch staff, exclusive feature-length columns from Greg Parks, Rich Fan, Sean Radikin, Alan Cunahan, and Zach Hadorn, Torch Talk transcripts, the latest news, and more pwtorch.com slash paper copy. Take a break from screen time and settle in every week with a mega dose of wrestling news and analysis with a Pro Wrestling Torch newsletter paper copy edition in the year 2022. You can get a full year of home delivery for just $99. Or try us for an eight-week trial subscription. pwtorch.com slash paper copy. We invite you to email the show with feedback or questions or comments. That email address is Wade Keller Podcast at PWTorch.com. That's Wade Keller Podcast at PWTorch.com. Also, welcome your feedback on Twitter. You can follow us on Twitter at PWTorch and follow me at The Wade Keller. That's at PWTorch and at The Wade Keller. A lot of you listen to the Wade Keller Pro Wrestling Post Shows who haven't watched the TV show we're talking about. A good way to catch up on what happened on the TV show is with my VIP-exclusive Wade Keller hotlines that follow Raw, Dynamite, and SmackDown every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. In fact, as soon as I wrap up recording the post shows with live callers and my co-hosts and our on-site correspondents, I send that off to the producer, and then I record the Wade Keller hotline, running down Raw, Dynamite, and SmackDown start to finish. And it's not only a full rundown, a thorough rundown of what happened on the TV show, but also my analysis of the key segments and matches throughout the show, including opinions that I don't express on the post show. So as a VIP member, you can listen to that hotline first, which runs 20 to 40 minutes, and then jump into the post show with full knowledge of what happened on the TV show. That's just one benefit of being a VIP member. 
Another benefit is when you listen to the post show, the ads and plugs will be removed. So change up the way that you listen to our coverage of Raw, Dynamite, and SmackDown by starting with the VIP Wade Keller hotline and then flowing into the Wade Keller post shows throughout the week. Go VIP. PWTorch.com slash go VIP. PWTorch.com slash go VIP. Rates start at $9.99 a month or get a full year for just $99. You can also get the Wade Keller Hotline through our Patreon tier. That's just $6.99 a month. Details on that are at patreon.com slash PWTorch VIP.